Welcome to South London Hardcore. I'm Jack McEnroy. My co-host is Steve Walsh. Hello. What did I say? Coast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. No, I'm, I'm, sorry, yeah. I'm suddenly nervous. That's a contraction of I'm always nervous. Yeah. Yeah. That's not really. It's just something you did every time. Well, no, usually Jack will try and ambush me with some sort of terrible <laughs> comparison or insult. Yeah. So when you say something that's not normal, I sort of go, this will pay off. It didn't. You just yeah. got it wrong. It's just like, coast. stick with it. And coast. I spend the next nine months going around him in a BBC Two TV series. This week, we're doing the third volume of our South London playlist, and we've picked tracks from artists that went to Elliot School in Putney. We're joined by musicologist Stephen Graham. Hello. Who went to school in Ireland, not there. <laughs> We're also joined by Sam Jeffers, who went to Elliot School and was the drummer in Fridge. Hello. If you go to southlandhardcore.com, you can listen to all the tracks embedded uh, on the site. We won't be cutting the tracks in because we don't want to get taken off iTunes for piracy by uh, members of certain groups. <laughs> Famously, the <laughs> Our Twitter is at SLHC. Uh, Steve's is at Vent Wales. What's yours, Stephen? Robots dancing alone. With vowels? No vowels, the first two words, except for I in the ing. <laughs> so if you just find Stephen on Twitter, maybe. Uh... <laughs> If you find you my get... blog, there'll be links to everything there, I think. We can probably offer a price to anyone that successfully follows Stephen on Twitter from that description. <laughs> um, and at work less hard. Are you on there? Will people see up Occasionally, yeah, from time to time. But more importantly, it's just find the In a completely different a context as well. As a father. As a, as a father and digital marketer, yeah. The world has rather changed. <laughs> a lot of times when people talk to us about doing the show, they seem astounded that we're still going. People will sort of go, how many episodes? And you go, 80. 80 episodes just on South London. And they can't believe that we've managed to mine that much about yeah. South London films and uh, television and music and people and places. But it's episodes like this. This is a good microcosm, I think, for the show as a whole. Where we've done playlists before. We've done the first playlist, which was people from South London singing about South London. The second one, which was songs about South London or people from South London. And now... It's, this is very inside, isn't it? This is one school in South London that we're going to pick out 16 different musical acts and tracks from. And it sounds impossible. It seems ridiculous. It's sort of go, there's one school and we're going to pick out people that have released music, a lot of which you would have heard of, a lot of bands. If you were to do my school, names. you'd have to pick 16 Jar Wobble tracks. Does <laughs> <laughs> Jar Wobble go to your school? Yeah, apparently. But is that really... Oh. The, I, I'm, I'm, you know, we can talk about this, but I really wonder whether or not Everyone's school doesn't have this, and there was just one no. little concentrated well, period no. where things no, went really in well. In my, my yeah. school, the only people that went to my school were England uh, Rugby International, Jeff Proben, no records, and uh, yeah, and uh, <laughs> Jar Wobble, and that's loads. Of, Jar Wobble, loads of records. To be fair, Wobble, you can get yeah. a brilliant Jar Wobble playlist. Yeah, well, that's probably coming up. Episode <laughs> one hundred and eighty. <laughs> Playlist, volume seven. Joel Wobble B-side. I don't know how you're still going. <laughs> <laughs> Just thank God for Joel Wobble. <laughs> Um, and sorry, uh, I was going into the middle there. I derailed you. Sorry. That's okay. So it's a remarkable number of musical acts, but there was a, a fascinating period as well. Was it a two or three year period where there's probably half a dozen bands that have had chart success and uh, would be known to people that all came through around the same time, and it was while around the time that you were at your school. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe not all um, household names, but people put no, out right. records and inspired each other. And, uh, you know, even if it wasn't 
you know, immediate. Um, a few years later, suddenly people you knew showed up having put records out, and um, you know, and were suddenly being recognised for them. So yeah, it was a, it was a pretty um, good little run. We had you know somewhere around ninety four to ninety six or something, you know, of people kind of getting started, and then suddenly over the last fifteen years or so, they've all they've all done one thing or another. So um, dominated the Mercury uh, Prize. Yeah. That seems to be yeah, that seems to be where you kind of not so, do, well, I say dominated, yeah. I mean, you know. So, but you know what I mean, though. Frequently on. Yeah, but like yeah. that's where you that's where you'll find them. If it's not not always in the charts, yeah, it's not certainly kind of stuff. You it's uh, sure. interest in British music, it. isn't it? Yeah. Progressive. My original thesis was there's some sort of Robin Williams style inspirational teacher. That's in what I thought. Yeah, he's like climbing on the tables yeah, yeah, yeah. and just sort of banging, you know, a chalk duster against the desk, going, "Just make electro clash. If I can leave you <laughs> one thing, it's that." And you're like, "Captain, my captain," and that going article, off the and... independent art, your tree art on the independent article there that tries to position the head of music there as that. That's the one that that comes even before the XX come along, doesn't it? That article, yeah. yeah. And then I went to the XX, and the XX was saying, rubbish, we've nothing to do with him. <laughs> <laughs> so I never heard of that guy before reading that ah, article. He right. wasn't in the music department when I was there. And, um, you know, there were three or four music teachers who, you know, I knew and were reasonably friendly and everything, but music classes themselves were crappy, you know. Yeah. Just no, standard. There was standard, nothing. You know, out came the xylophones with one broken beater, and you, like, were told to... Follow along and um, actually, you got an album, so, yeah. And then Steve, Wright, I'm gonna do a sampler, you know. Sampler. You, know um, you know, and um, so it wasn't particularly well stocked or stocked. There was nothing. So, so the thing that was the thing that was really good was the the rooms were made available after school for you know three or four hours. You know, you could stay until seven. Uh, you know, as long as the caretaker you know, until the caretakers kicked you out, making as much noise as you liked in. Uh, a series of rooms that were kind of down the far end of the building and a long way away from other people could okay. hear them. So, you know, the only real problem was, could the estate across the playground hear you enough to get pissed off and come in and complain? And generally that didn't happen. If they did, if it did, you went home. But they didn't really stop you coming back and doing it again the next day. And that, and that was something you were just allowed to do, you know, three nights a week if you wanted. Band practice, three or four hours a night. Three or four times a week, but not guided, not led. It was not just you as individuals. Yeah, just whoever wanted to be in a band. So that's quite interesting band. because I don't think yeah. that's standard in schools, is it? I yeah, mean, uh, no, my school was that. closed by about five, I think. Yeah, we and and also like, leaving famous... people in facilities, like leaving people in a room with with stuff. Yeah, so music yeah. teachers would all have gone home, and you were just left in the music department to make music. Right, that's access piece to... of evidence one. Yeah, so I think that you know, I think that probably is piece of evidence one, and and there was just about enough bad equipment that you could use it you know so there was a, a bad drum kit that you know so it didn't have spikes in it so every time you um you know like holding it so every time you, you hit the bass drum it would go three yeah. inches so you'd have to like stack loads of stuff on it to stop it all that sort of stuff yeah, yeah. one kid Terrible. lying yeah, on the floor it, holding it i think it, it was had like Ilya stacked on it. and this was about 12 years after Ilya had disappeared so you know it had Ilya stamped on it um were you aware i mean you know getting slightly ahead of ourselves in terms of what's on the list but we're looking today at bands like Fleetwood Mac, the Bee Gees, uh, the Damned, that have all got connections to school. Were, were you aware of any of this? Is there anything mentioned? There's, so there's yeah. no sort of culture not in the school of music a, and a, not a legacy of music in the school? Not, I mean, you know, they may be making the most out of it now. Yeah, they? actually. It's, it's, we are. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, but, you know, the, you know certainly the, 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 the 
I'm sure he's lovely, a music teacher in the independent art yeah. was sort of saying, oh, this is a, you know, this is a thread that we can all talk about. But when we were there, no. And that, that stuff was... You weren't even aware of it. Well, because... That's I, I would story. say that's a lot more kind of coincidental, isn't it? The fact that Matt Munro went there and the drummer from the dam. Yeah. No, but if you, you know, go to... Yeah. There's not go, a... If you go to a school where there's been a member, the you know the vocal member of the original Fleetwood Mac, yeah, the founder, of yeah, Peter Green, Peter Green, Peter Green, was, alone, isn't it? Yeah. you'd yeah. be amazed. Ratscape was all the important member of the band. Yeah. It wasn't just you know it's easy. To yeah, but he's what's one the of the link two. between like there's sort of fifteen no, years between them going there's no, there? There's no wave there. Yeah, but but you, you whereas be, now when you've got like Hot Chip and Forte and no, actually, you know, and it's within a, a discrete period. But I just wondered if like when you're going to school. You know, if I was a music teacher at that school, yeah, I, and I, you'd sort of go, uh, Fleetwood Mac, and like you play songs, and like you know, eleven-year-old kids aren't going to know Fleetwood yeah. Mac necessarily. Rumours, but you sir. can play. No, before that, well, you can yeah. play. You can, <laughs> play, no you can play the chain. They'll go Top Gear, and they go, yeah, 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 that's right, the music from Top Gear, um, which you know, obviously, Pete Green's long gone by that point. But still, there's and you know uh, the dams. Matt Murrow, Born Free, yeah. is just like part of popular culture now, isn't it? It's You'd not... think it'd be a way to pull the kids in. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, if I was a music teacher, there, my first lesson would be yeah, just yeah, talking yeah. about Listen to this, these these you know five people that have been there in the yeah. past. My, like my music teacher opinion. never mentioned Jar Wobble. Yeah. <laughs> I've done that Wikipedia. But you would though, wouldn't you? The trouble no, is, that just the seems mu- like an obvious thing. A really, I think yeah, someone yeah. just collected all this stuff retroactively. Like someone just decided at some point after you know my cohort went through that, like yeah, this was there was enough to, yeah, and they yeah, were yeah. examine it a bit because until that point we were just the school with like Jar Wobble and Jeff Probin. And, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, don't take that from us all my god uh, you know, the one that the one was big when we were there I think Pierce Brosnan got made yeah Pierce Bond, Brosnan and so was, he went to the school yeah. so, you know, for a year or school. two you know, oh, but you know like years and years before so, like, oh, Pierce so you Brosnan, knew blah, blah, Pierce blah, blah, blah. was Irish you know, but that was only yeah, exactly. you know again at that moment you know it, was right. like, it wasn't like there's this actor called Pierce Brosnan who yeah. is okay and may one day be cast you know as James Bond it was mm. kind of a so yeah, I don't think I don't think it was a thing, and I think I think also you know now it's so you know Wikipedia like there's one page and yeah. it's just got the yeah. list. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, do dude. you think then it is a, a case of uh, there is a lot of schools out there with similar legacies, but just your particular wave has forced people like us to go back and go, oh, but there's also this and there's also this and there's also this. But yeah, I mean it probably, but it's yeah. um, there's a quote from somebody I can't remember who it was now, but one of the pe- one of the people. This on the is playlist. a lot of journalism you can expect from South <laughs> journalism. Like <laughs> Saying that there were kids, in, maybe even someone from the XX possibly, there were kids, a couple like 13 year olds in bands mm-hmm. playing gigs, yeah. And that kind of so it's the other pupils that maybe have even gone on not to do anything, yeah, so but that, that was, was what inspired people to do things. Where, say, when I was the, the trouble is, I used to play guitar when I was at school, and the, my own inhibitions and my embarrassments playing in front of people are the reason why I never progressed and sort of gave it up completely. Mm. But, like, in my music department, it wasn't open till seven o'clock in the evening. Like, you used to walk past and hear people playing Guns N' Roses, My Michelle, all the time. Nothing else. <laughs> and uh, once, I remember the music teacher took, took, burst into the drum room and took a microphone off someone because they were rapping. You know, yeah. it's just like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like, even, even that is a kind of quite a contrast, isn't it? Nobody, there were kids in bands, but nobody was playing anything yeah. other than the Oasis in the practice rooms. Yeah. <coughs> I don't think I was a million miles away from what we were playing in the practice rooms. Like, we weren't making creative instruments. We weren't doing like music. Krautrock covers. Or... Yeah, not, not at that age. We were playing... But were you all aware of each other's bands? Like, I'm yeah, for sure. So, so like, like, in the year above you... Was there anyone exactly? In, so who, so who was in a, the year above you. So there was a band, and they had this name, uh, Jackknife Daisy. Uh, they were called, and you know, so they were like three or four cool older guys, and so all the girls from our year would go to watch them play because they were the cool. And then all us drips would go along because our, the girls from our year were there as yeah, well, yeah. and we would watch the band, and everyone would talk about how great the band was, and um, 
and then everyone started bands. And what age was that? You were well. I would probably going. They were probably fourteen, and we were twelve. Right. So you see, that's the thing. At my school, there was a couple of guys who were in bands, but it wasn't until sort of sixth form. It was when we was both went like, to boys' schools as well, Steve. That's the other thing as yeah. well. Yeah. And so yeah. they were playing Sorry. like community centres in Car Sholton, and yeah, we yeah. would get on the train and go to wherever the hell Car Sholton is, and and go to some dodgy youth centre and watch them play there, and. Um, and also see the women and sort of go, this is what you have to well, do. Like Scarface, like, like, yeah. first of... you get the basic guitar, then you get the women. Yeah. So, so I wonder, is it like a chain me. from there? The fact that every year there's more people. Well, so, so I'm going to throw in one more factor, which is I think that so the school didn't wear uniform either. Mm-hmm. And um, I pretty much know that all my friends went there because they didn't have to wear a uniform right. and they all all of their parents were yeah, kind of okay. baby boomer kind of hippie wow. type socialists you know very interesting yeah. so again free a certain freedom born to so so but also I, I think be... like that that was like you know a bigger influence parents oh. with kids reaching a certain age it's quite a we- school but there's kind of a wealthy area as well in sort well, of parts or not particularly but there's yeah, also it's mixed it's very everything's mixed if you can wear your own clothes when you're 14, 15, you can wear band t-shirts yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So suddenly, it's not a case of you're wearing a uniform and you have to wait for someone to like yeah. pull an, an album out or have something written on a folder. You're like, you like, you know, yeah, that band. You like then, Nirvana. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, but then, it, do you know what I mean? So those things are so you important. Can, you can form your clique a lot earlier, yeah. can't you, in terms of... So this band, Jack and I, Daisy, you know, like, so drummer and the guitar player had long hair, wore, you know, wore long hair to school. Guitar player is like cool dude. He could play behind his head <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. Um, and it, it just seemed like normal, you know, like yeah. you could just do that and that would be fine. And no one was gonna, you know, you were gonna kind of be slightly, you know, heroic for doing it. They were it. the Sex and Pistols of Elliot. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You can do this. Actually, yeah. one of the bands that was um, was we're called the time, Sex Pistols called, of Elliot. We're, we're called the Bollocks. It was never mind the Sex Pistols. I still think is a good joke. So, <laughs> Whereas at my school. They would every day we'd go and parade in the playground, and they'd walk up. An older kid would walk up and check you have black socks on. That's it's nice. not conducive to rock and roll, is it? <laughs> yeah. Like I remember kids playing. Way, kind of is, these kids but... playing this assembly, and they they play. I think they played by Michelle because they've been practicing it so long, and they're all there in our um, black uh, school uniform with you know anchors on the buttons and black you know just a black tie white shirt. I mean, I liked the jam at the time, so like the look was, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I can get bored with this. Yeah, but do you know what I mean? Like ACDC there were no haircuts or anything, you know bash the creativity out of you so yeah so we all had we all had long hair you know and like Arden used to wear a cape to school and like <laughs> with like a you know a red lining and stuff you know like who does that mm. he does look he does that but like, you know no schools no other schools were yeah, do that and it. all the kids went so um you know well, there's, it, there's still more there though because I know Isabel went to school like that where you're kind of allowed to do mm-hmm. whatever you like you don't have to wear a uniform and they certainly don't have any famous musicians <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean so it's... would we know any members of Jack Knife Davis from other bands no you wouldn't no oh, okay. no not at all um, you know I think the guitar guy I mentioned went on to become a bus driver right oh. I mean, that's actually what he wanted that to do he left school at 16 and got straight into being a bus driver there was a guy at my school who uh, as a kid just like consistently bus driver that's all yeah. he ever wanted to be he got straight into being a bus driver became an accountant and up to uh, really? yeah got it must have been and up to 445 pounds a week <laughs> called it to the post oh really just yeah. that number yeah call the guy <laughs> yeah was it, can I ask one question actually just on the, the thing of how this happened there's a massive gender disparity I don't know whether it's any different to music in general mm-hmm. but on the list that we're looking at I think 
Maybe one of the actors has women in it? No, two. two. The girl from Basket Strings, Emma oh, yeah. Smith, yeah. and uh, Romy from the XX. Oh, Zan Tyler as well. So what, Zan Tyler. So, yeah. Yeah. so, so three, but that's out of about 30 or 40 Yeah, no, people. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So all the earlier years. So Elliot was a boys' school up until ah. some point. I can't right, know, right, right. I don't remember exactly when it changed. But it was a boys' school. It's only for the first like, 60, 70 years of its history. So ah, yeah. up until maybe the 70s or something like that. And then it ah, became mixed, sense, yeah. comprehensive. So all of those earlier ones are definitely going to be blokes. Okay, yeah. Right. Um, then... After that, I mean, there were a couple of girls who played in bands, yeah. you know, while we were there. Um, uh, the bass player from Jack and Daisy was a girl, and I played in the band. I always played the bass. We had to, again, she was the bass player. Lots of... Um, and Emma Smith is still a, you know, fantastic and wonderful... You know, she can play all sorts of stuff and has, you know, perfect performance of absolutely everything. So, you know, she she was pro- she's probably the the best pure musician yeah. that came out of that kind of era. You know, she was very, very good. So. Although uh, my friend Hassan earlier said that Herman Lee from Dragon Force, we were kind of so, laughing well, at we'll the band. We'll get there. But yeah, we'll save it. Save yeah, it, save I mean, it. yeah, some, that is super talented. Was the phrase he used? I, I'd go along with that. I think uh, it's it incredible. Stuff. Should we start with that? I mean, it's not first yeah. one. I'm think... a big believer that this idea that playlists have to be structured no, perfectly exactly. yeah, yeah. is a They'll bit overdone. We've got to start yeah. fast, and this is the first. Yeah. Herman Lee was born in Hong Kong, but obviously attended Elliot School. Um, he's the guitarist and one of the founding members of Dragon Force, a band I'd never heard of. And indeed a genre I'd never really heard of. It, metal. It's... <laughs> well, it's a, it's a very specific kind of metal. Is it not hair it? metal? Well... Yeah, it's, it's the the song that I listened to was Heroes of Our Time. I think that's a good name for the playlist as a whole, maybe. <laughs> um, Podcast. <laughs> and yeah. it's just it's it sounds like music from a video game, and I think that's the point, isn't it? It's yeah. supposed to. I mean, I think they they themselves describe it as Nintendo metal, and it's the idea that. Yeah. And when you listen to what they're doing, it is metal. It's drums and guitars and, and vocals, but what they're doing with the guitars is aping. Electronic music, isn't it? It's not well, taking it's guitar. Sequenced, it's aping sequenced um, synthesizer riffs, essentially. So it's really sped up guitars. But I don't know. I don't know if it's sonically all that different from Europe or even Iron Maiden. You know, it's it's got a bit more glam. But the fact that uh, what I mean is the fact that they're trying to make the guitar sound yeah like not with Iron Maiden or it's 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 still riffs, but it sounds like guitars. Whereas with this, they're trying to sound. Electronic, it's trying to sound like it's synthesized, I think, isn't it? Which is odd. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely that. And it is, I only uh, listened to two of their tracks, but it seemed very 80s hair metal to me. With a bit more, bit of spice from kind of Nintendo Sonics, 8-bit, that kind of thing. Yeah, that was the thing. It's yeah. sort of chiptune sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it has blast beats from thrash metal, and it has, it has lots of different metal things going on. I thought that was great. I mean, there is Ridiculous actually a YouTube before. video of him playing the Super Mario music right. perfectly. Like, oh, he's really? worked out how to do that noise where Mario goes That's down the pan. Yeah. He's got it all like, oh, okay. on, a guitar, on a guitar. That's yeah. what I mean. It's not easy to do it And his actual, uh, I mean, the performance is remarkable. It's hypnotic, isn't it? Yeah, so the one I'm into is called Through the Fire and Flames. That's the one I've watched a couple of times on YouTube. And at the end of that, they 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 do these dueling guitar solos. So yeah. like one guy will do it, then the other guy will do it, and then suddenly they lock in together, and it does like close-ups on their fingers, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and things are going very fast, <laughs> and, and they are playing perfectly in time together and in sync and everything. And it is just amazing, ama- amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's it's I've never it? seen anything like it it's to see great. live as well. Yeah. But it's incredible. And and, and, the, and the thing that obviously like helps me is just like he was going there, you know, like 
you know, I was at school at the same time as him. He yeah, would yeah. sit on the floor every lunchtime. Yeah, so yeah. the music department was at the end of a corridor. He would sit by the like music department cupboard, which was locked, and he would just sit there and tap. Yeah, right. all lunchtime. Well, it was every tap, day. tap dancing first. <laughs> <laughs> Guitar tapping. Yeah. <laughs> so he's just he's putting the hours in. That's he's, he's you know, like, yeah, yeah, that's you can yeah. see that kind of yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, you know, hundreds of hours a year of just. It's very much in the Van Halen tradition that you know. Yeah, and that was all his favorite stuff, and he was you know a little socially awkward, but. um just locked into that thing you wanted to do and then the fact that he made it real you know no one yeah. could possibly believe that you're going to play like huge metal festivals that, yeah, that yeah. guy is going to play these huge metal festivals and he's festivals. done it entirely on his own terms the, 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 the band as a whole seem obsessed with sort of fantasy and sci-fi mm-hmm. and metal and they've sort of gone we're going to form a, a, a band called Dragon Force and we're going to put make our music videos so it looks like we're in video games yeah. they, they've done it they've transformed their existence yeah. into this almost magical thing where they've become yeah. this impossible and they're the final level of Guitar Hero are they? yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. all comments on the YouTube like, are like Guitar Hero 5 oh, really? like the super level once you've finished everything else they literally are the final to... boss wow. of Guitar Hero which is again, like, who's you know, the like, penultimate boss awesome. like Hendrix or something <laughs> nah he's <laughs> pretty easy. easy you know this that's stuff easy. is just ridiculous you know maybe have some paper on your head though yeah, but it just looks um, impossible, isn't it? It's like watching an. It's not though. I mean, I play guitar and I can sort of do that. Well, it's different. I'm not like I'm not, that sounds really bad. So I'm not that, but it's kind of. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's slightly like, sounds the thing harder is, than it actually is. Herman yeah. Lee has won uh, the Metal Hammer Golden God's Best Shredder. Yeah, twice. Excellent shredder. I would not be anywhere near that, but you can go <laughs> and make that sound. You know, so we should be aware of that. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. It's not as hard as it sounds no, necessarily. Some of it. But it's still amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. And it's very, very uh, effective. When I saw it, jaw dropped. This was really... <laughs> you know, it's just one of those awesome things you can't ever believe is actually going to happen. Yeah. You know, a real, like, yeah, yeah. slightly dodgy dude just turns into an absolute metal <laughs> so god. So they were, they were your age, were they? He's a year older. It's only him, isn't older. it, that went there? Oh, yeah. You see, again, completely unhooked from the rest of it, yeah. though. Like, yeah, he was yeah. there at the same time. If none of the rest of us had gone there, like he still would be. Yeah, there. absolutely. You know, and that's interesting, um, well, isn't it? The, another thing is, uh, you know, with the music we're going to talk about today, is the, the range. It's not a yeah. case of in this period people came out and they all sound very similar, or yeah. they're from the same tradition. There's sort of links, obviously, but it, there's some very distinct stuff. Yeah, well, yeah. as you say, this guy's. We're going from Dragon Force to Burial. Yeah, right? we're not. We're not going <laughs> to come uh, close to anything like this, really. Yeah. No. Um, I'm fascinated by this place. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it does. It's not. We should say that it's changed its name since, isn't it? Oh yeah. In the last yeah. few it's years, an yeah. academy, Arc Academy. Yeah. So what does that mean then? With ARK, so I presume it stands for something. Academy. It's just a bit. They're a big education firm. That's like Harris. Over. I mean, Elliot, yeah. Elliot. So Elliot went through like some good years, which mm. was when we were all there, and then like sort of gradually dropped off right. and changed heads quite a lot. And um, you know, so we actually stayed quite close, even to teachers, let alone friends. You know, mm. and. Um, and over the last few years, yeah, the, the the building is a listed. It's a very nice listed building. It's a bit like, um, if you imagine, think of it, it's like the um, uh, Millbank Tower just fell yeah. on its side. All right. So it's like a long, six or seven so stories high. You know, three hundred meters long or something. Yeah, really long mm. building, and um, built in the fifties. But the concrete started to fall apart. So literally, like l- lumps of concrete were falling off. <laughs> Uh, so it started to get more and more condemned, more and more bits got closed off. So in order to save right. it, they had to sell off half the ground. Is that why they call it Ask Academy, maybe? We need two <laughs> guitarists, two drummers. 
So yeah, so now it's been bought, it's been kind of bought so or it, taken it, over. It's by an us. academy now, is it? Yeah. yeah. Music, it's got to be a music academy, surely. I think it went for language specialism. Yeah. What is wrong with music? This is why the school failed because they had this way that they really strengths. could have tapped yeah. into, and surely it would have been pretty straightforward to sort of arrange. You know, uh, but you know, I mean, get like people to come back to the school and visit. And yeah, but talk to people. yeah, but Steve, how's that going to work with Ofsted? You know, but, you don't go to Ofsted. Well, with the XX went in, what, what do you want? <laughs> no, but I'm saying, no, but you could be. But I'm saying they could it. have changed the emphasis of the school and tapped yeah, into yeah. it and used it a little. Tapped more. into it. So. <laughs> um, people can't see I'm tapping with my right. fingers. Egerton. To go back a little further in the school's history, um, Peter Green, born in Bethnal Green. So, we're still waiting for someone from South London to go to this school. But, you know, uh, went to Elliot School. Um, plays in, it, it's in the 60s at this point. So, it's, well, late 50s, early 60s. And similar to Bowie, seems like everyone, and I imagine quite a typical thing in bands, in loads of bands. Mm. They're all in loads of bands, and everyone's just sort of... He's in uh, Bobby Dem in Denim and the Dominoes, um, then the Muskrats, then the Tridents. I feel like everyone was in the Tridents. Yeah. It seems like a name that was really doing the rounds at that point. Um, joins uh, Peter B's Lunas, um, where he meets uh, Mick Fleetwood, the drummer. Um, then he's given a chance to fill in for Eric Clapton in the Blues Breakers with John Mayle. Um, when he's first announced as a replacement for Eric Clapton, people are a bit uh, at odds. They're like, you found someone to replace Eric Clapton. People are like, this guy... If anything, he's better than Eric Clapton. Mm. That was the sort of reputation he had. Yeah, BB King time. said that uh, Peter Green brought him out. His sweet tones brought him out in cold sweats. Peter Green decides to form a new band with Mick Fleetwood, called Fleetwood Mac, because there was another guy in another band uh, called I think McGinley that he wanted to entice over to the band as well. So he's like, I don't even need my name. It was, it was going to be Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac. We we'll just call it Fleetwood Mac. We'll name it after you and that guy. And then the other guy didn't want to join. But they still called it Fleetwood Mac. I read that it was after Mick Fleetwood and McVie. That's it, John McVie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he, he isn't. But he, he didn't join at first. Oh, no, there he didn't initially. There was, no, there was a few didn't. months where he yeah, was like, yeah, I'll yeah, probably yeah. just stick here. And he's like, we're going to call the band Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, so you yeah. probably do want to join <laughs> just to uh, help the branding. Um, yeah, Fleetwood Mac um, soon become very popular. Records um, the track we're talking about, say, Albatross, which is um, our first instrumental track. But not our last. Um, probably most famous now for the Marks and Spencer's advert. Oh, of course it is, it isn't it? It was, but very, yeah. like famously, like when I when you listen to it now, what was the Marks and Spencer's? You know, it's just sort of like uh, clotted. Cream it's not beer. just any burger. <laughs> when was succulent that? beef? Five, yeah, five, five, six, 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 six ago. Yeah. yeah. Don't think I had a TV at that point. Right. But yeah, yeah. It, it's sort of like but it, it most is, famously though, Steve Common. No. Oh, possibly, I don't, but yeah. I don't know. It's like, very, I very, 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 I can't very listen to that anyway. song now. Similarly, you could make uh, a later thing with Max on that has nothing to do with Peter Green the Chain, uh, mm. is the music from Top Gear. Yeah. It's, it's almost like this, the music gets reappropriated once it goes into something yeah. like that that captures the sort of public consciousness. You can go your own way, good fellas. <laughs> so, anyone got any more? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, Tusk in The Americans, first episode of The Americans recently. Excellent use of Tusk. Not seen the Americans. It's so really good, yeah. Things, yeah, yeah. Um, on Albatross, they recruit an extra guitarist called Danny Kerwin, who's from Brixton. 
Yay! So this is uh, a particularly South London <laughs> Fleetwood Mac song, which is why I chose it, just because there's like a, a boat from Brixton on it. That's amazing. It is also uh, yeah, pretty incredible, incredible, isn't it? Yeah, it's incredible. I played it for two hours once when I started playing. <laughs> when I started playing, like we played it. When I started playing uh, with these friends of mine, we there was a symbol in one of their houses for me, a little symbol, like you could use it as a gong kind of thing. And uh, it's very simple, like it's a couple of chords. We just played it for hours. We were really sound. It's, it's so it's like beautiful. It does seem beamed in from somewhere else, though, doesn't it? It's a strange piece of music. Yeah, it's not what I think of when I think of Fleetwood Mac. No, or the late or 60s. Even, Pete, or even music Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac. A lot of no. it is just kind of... Yeah, I listen to... Um, I've never really listened to them, because obviously Fleetwood Mac, the band we know now, a bit like Pink Floyd, where you know they originally yeah, had yeah, uh, yeah. a South, South London school guy. Uh, what's his name? <laughs> Sid uh, Barrett. Sid Barrett went to Campbell College Arts. And then it's a completely <laughs> different band after that. Do you know what I mean? And that's just the case with uh, Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. Yeah, but even yeah. with Peter Green's Fleetwood it's like Mac, it's all blues revival, isn't it? And yeah, no, it's not, I didn't think it held up particularly well. But similar to uh, Sid Barrett, um, Peter Green had sort of drug-related mental health issues yeah. later in his life. So he sort of... He used to wear that hat, didn't he? With acid on it. No, he used to wear that weird, like, flat kind of fez type hat. You know what I'm talking about, Sam? Oh, Peter Green, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When he was like a rec- he was a recluse for a long time, and he came out in like a fez and like with like an African pattern on it. And when he came out, it was worrying. Like, it, it was like really very cute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he, would, he was love to have like that. He was really like the Sid Barrett figure, wasn't he? Peter Green. Like, yeah, so I came across yeah. Peter Green first in Q or some rubbish like that, and they mythologising him as this lost figure of rock, and it's kind of like. It's not really fair to do that to someone's life. Next up, we've got Max Middleton, who I'd never heard of before. And Steve is looking a bit blank now. No, 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 no I remember which one it is. But okay. Never heard uh, of he's a, yeah, a pianist and keyboard player who is born in Amersham, uh, works at the Dockery in Liverpool, and eventually joins the Jeff Beck group in time for their debut album, uh, Rough and Ready. Every track on the album is written by Jeff Beck except for one, which is called Max's Tune. Uh, it's another instrumental. Obviously, it's the Jeff Beck group. Jeff Beck's in the room, so it's guitar. But uh, there's a you know a fair bit of yeah. Max Middleton uh, playing the keyboards on it as well. It's a funny one, Jeff Beck. Like, growing up, getting into kind of yeah. classic rock. You're told he's this huge thing. And yeah, never... and you're just like, like right, Jimmy Wimble, Page, you can listen to, you know, dozens of great Jimmy Page tracks. Jimi Hendrix, the same, you know, when you're talking about the great guitarists. You know, Eric Clapton, one that kind of, you know, you maybe kind of go off a bit, but certainly you can list the great mm. Eric Clapton. But Jeff Beck, always a bit of an odd name on the list, I thought. He always floats around. It's like Stevie Winwood. I reading all those magazines going, these are the great figures. Kind of going, are they what? Why? How? <laughs> but appreciate them slightly more now. Um, it's nineteen seventy two as well, so it's kind of classic, classic rock. Do you know what I mean? That kind yeah. of rock and roll, British rock and roll thing has been around a while. Yeah, yeah. He's not quite an innovator, is he? No, he needs to be moving things on a bit. This track is is fairly desperate, though. I thought it's fairly blank as a piece of music. It's kind of dead. It seems like a very standard sort of jazz piece, doesn't it? Originally yeah, it's, called it's... Uh, Rains Park Blues, Steve. Or wrongly listed as Rainstorm Blues in some <laughs> pressings. It's pleasant, but it's it's kind of 
it's fairly straightforward pastiche. I it felt to me the opening section is very just um, nameless kind of West Coast jazz, just very soft. And this is going into Booker T and MGs, bit of bluesy stacks type stuff, and just goes out of it. Not great, but still good link to. You know, I like the Max's tune, but it reminds me of Denny's drums. You know, the Beach Boys track, Dennis Wilson wrote it. And it's just him playing the drums. Matt Munro is born Terence Edward Parsons in Shoreditch, uh, attends Elliot School, uh, and later on becomes crooner, Matt Munro. Sings, he has a bit of a mixed uh, fortunes in his career early on. Sings from Russia with Love for a James Bond film. Which but... one? <laughs> <laughs> But the song, nice. the song plays on a radio in the film and then plays over the closing credits. And I always assume that all James Bond theme yeah. songs played over a cleverly constructed thing at the beginning. Silhouettes of uh, nude yeah. women. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Didn't Cle- even get that. Cleverly constructed. <laughs> well, weirdly, Born Free as well was, uh, it was recorded for the film Born Free, which is less famous than the song, isn't it? Yeah. And was cut out of the film. And then sort of re- an edited version was put back in the film. So. Yeah, when they went to the premiere... The song wasn't in the film, so the producer, uh, the the producer of the song, and Matt Monroe went up to the guy afterwards and went, the, "You haven't got the song in there." He went, "No, we've." Uh, they decided it was uncommercial, which among the reasons to drop uh, "Born Free" with hindsight seems. Yeah. And they were like, "No, honestly, it's a good song. Maybe put it back in." So they did, and then it won the Oscar for Best Original Song. <laughs> so maybe Matt Monroe and the other fella knew uh, yeah. a bit more about songs than the film producer. Would he, who wins the Oscar? Would it have been John Barry, the composer? Yeah, composer. Yeah. And the other guy, Don Black. Don Black. So, if if I can keep throwing Elliot uh, amusing links in here, yes, yes, you can. Um, so, both the two guys in my band, Kieran and Ardem, have both worked. So, Kieran made music for a James Bond movie, which got used at the end of, I think it was the first Daniel Craig one. Uh, but you had to literally wait until like nine minutes through the credits and oh one of those ones the credits were over and like some you know folk drama beats yeah yeah and 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 more amusingly uh, perhaps Ardem uh, did the soundtrack for In The Loop and if you actually watch In The Loop I'm pretty sure there's no music in In The Loop yeah (laughs) I know there is when they're walking there's literally like there's one tiny sequence where there's a bit of music and he's like, you know, this this was good. You know, this like fed him for a period of time. Yeah. So, but you know, there you go. It's um, if if Elliot people don't get their music used in movies, they get cut out of movies. That's the, <laughs> that's the nice link. Did you did you guys know Matt Monroe much before? No, I hadn't heard Born of him. Free. Yeah, but the thing yeah. is, I knew uh, I came to Born Free through Vic Reeves in 1991. He released Born Free. I oh, know that was dizzy, wasn't it? <laughs> he released an album called I Will Cure You which was a mix of cover yeah, versions and original stuff. And it's absolutely brilliant. And yeah. he covers Born Free. And Dizzy's the famous song that came from yeah. it. He also does Abide With Me. Um, and it, it, when I was, what would I have been, 16, it was at that time my favourite album in the world. Mm. And not in an ironic way or anything. I was just sort of like, this is the best album that anyone's ever yeah. made. Other people are making albums. I, I realise this. But no one's making anything as good as Vic Freed's. Yeah. Move over Public Enemy. This is my new favourite artist. Yeah, it was. It was my favourite album. I think it did replace uh, It Takes Nation Millions uh, on the top of the pile there for a while. On cassette, of course. Another act who recorded most of their work on cassette were the Cleaners from Venus. Oh, yeah. Um, Martin Yule, 
born in Wivenhoe. The wild man of Wivenhoe. The wild man of Wivenhoe. That's little, why... little shout out to Jason Cobb, regular listener who lives in Wivenhoe. Oh, he does, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Got to keep the listeners in. Keep you know. I'm, mention me, love. <laughs> <laughs> Still none born in, uh, or like, you know, no, really we're from struggling. South London. We're, yeah, we're about six in now. When we're Vic and Bob met in South London. Did they? I there think so. Yeah, they, they did in New Cross. Oh, okay. Vic Reeves was performing uh, in New Cross and uh, Bob Mortimer happened to be in the crowd and just joined in. <laughs> just started saying stuff right? and uh, Vic Reeves sort of gesture and they, they just joined him on stage and they just started riffing and afterwards uh, and Bob Mortimer was a solicitor at this point uh, yeah. so <laughs> much so that he uh, he went to the police station to bail Jarvis Cocker uh, when he did the, the train awards. I think you talked about this in the previous podcast I've talked about the same things every week <laughs> Jack, Jack this I'm always talking about Bob Mortimer uh, yeah. bailing people out after the Brit Wars. It's just uh, I think his mama called him Jim Wah. <laughs> um, Martin Yule, born in Wivenhoe, again in a number of uh, different bands. Plod, a glam rock band. Jip, pop oriented prog rock. The Stray Trolleys, and then the Cleaners from Venus, which is my favourite bad name band ever. I think it's a terrible name for a band. But uh, I also really like it. If that's like the Stray Trolleys, I think it's a bad name for a band, but I really like it. Yeah. On the previous uh, playlist, uh, we talked about Twenty Four Track Loop by This Heat, and This Heat were a band I'd never heard of before doing the playlist, and I was like, "This is incredible. Mm. This is great." Yeah. How did I miss this? Yeah. How have I never heard this one? I'm thinking similar things about Cleaners from Venus. I'd never heard of them either. I'd never heard of them. I know everything I've listened to is just gold. It's absolutely brilliant, I think, personally. I don't know. If... I only listened to that track. I liked right. it. But it felt like kind of identical, post-punk, kind of neuromantic-ish. Yeah, um, his his solo stuff sounds just like... I mean, it comes slightly before, you know, the big Britpop boom, but just kind of sounds... Like no, but the rest he's, of it. he's long before. He's, he, yeah, yeah, he is, but he didn't get a solo record till like 1993, did he? Oh, no, but even like the Cleaners Venus is him and another guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's good. I liked it. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to investigate more now. I just, I heard, I thought, oh. And I think talking of sort of Britpop and around those times, you know, um, Blur, the Cardiacs, yeah. Madison, you can hear Blur. There's no you way can hear that Blur those guys it. haven't yeah. heard this. And yeah, yeah. You know, you can hear the mockney. Well, maybe it wasn't mockney with him, but yeah, you can hear the mockney. Yeah, the, yeah, the vocals in particular. Yeah, 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 definitely. Colin Peterson attends Elliot School and he's the original drummer in the Bee Gees. Um, he's there for six or seven records, wasn't he? Albums. I don't think it was that many. They had a lot of records, didn't they? They yeah, did, yeah. Really, at that yeah. time. Like the early Beatles, and they just like dashing yeah, out. Like the know. early Beatles. You know, when I worked in HMV, right? Someone came up to me and go, Is there a new Beatles album out? This is 2001. Right? I said, Nah, no, nah, they've. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> they broke up in 1970. Um, so she's like, Oh, maybe a best of. I was like, Nah, no, nah, there's no new best of out. It's the Bee Gees, the best of the Bee Gees she was talking about. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, of course. This isn't the first time they've been confused, and almost deliberately so. The and this song is... Well, the Bee Gees are called the well, Bee Gees. Well, they're next to the Beatles in, the, in shops. Is that the idea? Well, they're, they're called the Bee Gees because they're the Brothers Gibb, right. the Bee Gees. But yeah. they, they helped to perpetuate a rumour around this time that they were the Beatles. And the, and the publishers were going around saying that Bee Gees stood for Beatles Group. <laughs> and it was the experimental offshoot that does of sound true, the Beatles. Steve, come on. This, is, <laughs> this song, New York Mind Disaster 1966, was sent to radio stations with a white label. 
And if you listen to it, did you listen to it? Pretty Beatles. Yeah. It sounds it's like the Beatles, really and it was Beatles, very yeah. deliberate on their part. Yeah, they, it they, does sound like the Beatles. But they, yeah, they they were trying to ape the Beatles, and they sent it on a white label, and radio stations played it, thinking this is a new Beatles song. Right. And then they said, "Oh, Bee Gees, oh, oh, Bee Gees, Beatles group." So people were talking about them as if they were the Beatles, but then they revealed themselves as uh, the Toothy Threesome. <laughs> toothy Gibbs. <laughs> it's New York Mining Disaster, nineteen forty-one, isn't it? Yeah. 1966. 1941. No, the song is called New York Mining Disaster oh. 1941. So. I've written 1966. And also, also it was 1967. 1967. Yeah. <laughs> so I've just written some... Uh... I was hoping you were going to pick a track Steve off of Cucumber Castle. Are you familiar with it? I've heard of it. It's a Bee Gees record. I was just clicking through Wikipedia to see like the record he was on. It's on like six or seven albums. And there's a Beatles... Uh, Beatles. There's a Bee Gees album <laughs> called Cucumber Castle. And on the cover, it's two of the Bee Gees... I don't know how many there were at that point. Cucumber strapped on. <laughs> Not quite. But just in like a knight armour. Um, with like Cucumber Castle written in like an old English font. And like the inlay the inlay card is like a load of like the scenes of them just like sitting there. Like in like outside a castle. In Wearing like armor. knight armour. And it looked incredible. It's like one of those things where you just want to have the 12 inch just to look yeah. at. But it turned out Cucumber Castle was a Bee Gees film that came out. Like kind of in the kind of mould of Help and Hard right, Night. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's on YouTube. It's an extraordinarily bad copy. I didn't get around to to uh, watching it. But it must I'll... be a bit though where like a visor comes up and there's like Barry under there or something. It must be totally amazing. <laughs> yeah, it looks <laughs> incredible. <laughs> I've been in record shops since to... looking for be... looking for to buy the record. They're not paying It sounds like it would be sort of holy Monty Python Holy Grail, wouldn't it? Just sort yeah, of like yeah, these knights yeah, fighting yeah. and they just like I think that's uh, the idea, the visors yeah. and it's the Bee Gees. Uh, song. I think the BFI needs to invest heavily in restoring <laughs> yeah. the, uh, the Blu-ray quality. Just Google the cover. £320,000 <laughs> to restore a Bee Gees uh, medieval tribute. How was the drumming on the track? It's very basic. Is it? It's, it's, but it's, it's a very sort of. It's supposed to. Yeah, no, it does work. It's supposed to. Yeah. yeah, you don't need Ginger Baker rolls on this, do you? No. <laughs> Distracting. Really it's it's man, supposed anyway. to be echoing early Ringo Starr. Yeah. Talking about a band with uh, better drumming, we come to Fridge. Oh. <laughs> mm. um, formed by uh, Kieran Do you want to let him say? Yeah, actually, yeah. Um, <laughs> do you want to tell us about Fridge? Sure. So, uh, do you want a little. It's got a history. How did you come together? And were you all in the so, same year? We were all in the same, not just the same year, same class. Right. Um, uh, I'm trying to think about how this all came together. So, copying the band I mentioned earlier, Jackknife Daisy, Kieran Ardem, a guy called Dan, a guy called Nick, and another drummer called David all started a band together. I can't even remember what they were called now, but um, I guess sang a couple of times in that band at like community centre shows and we decided we'd make a different type of band based not on dodgy Hendrix covers and all the rest of it but like a band that was vaguely meant to play its own music and compose things and whatever and the drummer was this French guy and he was just like he was all about virtuosity and like I can play everything and all the rest of it but was kind of an uncool dude and not particularly laid back and um just wanted to make everything fast and all that. so that didn't really fit with the whole thing so I think we just started a band off the back of that and I can't even remember when it would have been but we'd probably been 16 or something like that by the time we got around to it maybe 17 and it's just the three of you just the three of us always just the three of us and um, yeah you know I guess it's a bit of an odd thing right you're a school band and you start a kind of instrumental band 
based off all the music that we were hearing around London mm. at the time. So it was sort of Tortoise and people like that. We would go to the shows and like all that. And there were lots of other bands sort of doing vaguely similar things. And we thought, well, we'll, we'll have some of that too. And, uh, and started our own little, you know, school version of it. And, um, you know, we were given, again, the license to do what we wanted. We, you know, we even had friends who would let us, you know, rehearse all day in their bedroom at full volume in their house. We would, you know, my parents' basement, we would rehearse there. We would just knock on the neighbours' doors and say, we're going to be playing all day at full volume. Don't worry about it. And they would, like, You're welcome. Sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be £12, like, pounds, please. They never, they never would... Uh, they never would complain or anything, you know. We would we were reasonably three nice and, boys, yeah. and would stop three nice boys, and that was that was that. So, you know, we played, and then, uh, you know, we would have still been at school, and we started playing shows in Camden, and you know, bit, you know, sent some tapes to some people, and who put us on the bottom of bills, and played the Bull and Gate, and you know, you get paid depending on how many mates come through mm. the door, and um, we'd make like thirteen quid, and you know, Kieran's dad would drive us there and back, or Adam's granddad used to drive us up there in the Cortina and back and um and that was how we played you know we started a band so the 13 quid's pure profit the 13 quid's <laughs> pure profit taking uh, transport out of it I'm going to need some money for petrol uh, <laughs> and then there, you know there were a couple of bands who sort of took us under their wing because we they realised we would bring as, you know more people you know and and fill the place out because they didn't have any crowd. friends exactly yeah, yeah and and then we ended up Even like room. you know we bring like we, we I remember we we sort of I guess promoted a show at the Bullen Gate with like just Elliot bands and brought you know half the school and um, who was on the bill? Uh, so I don't remember who was in the middle of the bill, but there was a guy. There was a guy called Alex York who is now a maths teacher and it actually went to become a maths teacher at Elliot because he loved the place so much afterwards. Um, who made uh, kind of like psychedelic trance? <laughs> so he did like a, an hour of psychedelic trance. Uh, and there was another guy called Dan who seemed to own some like lasers so we let him do the lights <laughs> this <laughs> like, is a magical place isn't it <laughs> like lasers and stuff and then we played and there were lasers and we realised that if you have too much lasers and, and smoke you can't see each other so it was one of the worst shows in history hmm. uh, Arden built a keyboard out he got like eight tape recorders and recorded 60 minutes of a single note onto the tapes of each one put each of them on an ironing board plugged them all in and blew the power at the venue <laughs> So this, was, this is how a kind of typical early fridge show would go. And, um, but, you know, what fun. You know, yeah, it was, it was yeah. great. Yeah. So I don't think anyone took it particularly seriously. And then, um, and then Kieran, who's, is, um, you know, we're sitting here in a comic shop. But Kieran, you know, is in record shops like the equivalent of this all day, every day. He bumped into someone else who happened to have a label and gave him a tape. And the tape, you know, was good enough. And we got signed. Well, signed. You know, and what age were you when you got the record deal? Um, 17 right. yeah 17 six, well, maybe 16 so yeah. 16 or 17 because the record came out like in a in a convenient thing when I was about three weeks into university so like I was the guy with like a record oh. coming out three weeks into university <laughs> um, you know I was the guy like in the enemy three weeks into university which is like not a bad place to be it's all right, um, yeah just wearing a fridge so, t-shirt uh, every day <laughs> so um, <laughs> I mean that's how I didn't talk to anyone but um yeah so sort of you know school was important but we were kind of by then we were sort of beginning to move away from school and it's sort of separate but it was uh yeah that was the beginning really and you did five albums uh five or six depending on whether you count the, the EP at the end. enormous double CD compilation of all the EPs and singles. <laughs> uh, yeah, 
Like five, five proper albums, yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, I, you know, again, I don't know how many albums Kieran's made now. I don't know how many. You know, Arden's made three or four albums on his own. Um, you know, people have played on all sorts of other different records, produced records. I mean, it's. Um, yeah, you could get that that, 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 that one remixes, little, couldn't you? Yeah, that one little band has kind of gone yeah. in quite a lot of different directions, and, and given everyone individually, I suppose, more the, the confidence to do it as well. I think um, you know, I don't think any of us would say that our best, well, apart from me, because it's my only. <laughs> but you know, our best music was on there. I think the other two guys have gone and done better stuff since. But it's um, it definitely set everyone up and gave you all the practice. And, it's you really know, good the stuff, hours in and stuff. Well, I'm very proud of it. Yeah, yeah I'm it very is happy with it, you know, very strong. A little listen to now and again. I mean, I think the track you've picked is is um, uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, uh, this is interesting. Change what, it. What we could change it. Yeah. Think? Yeah. Well, you th- we'll defer to you. Please pick no, one that's on YouTube. No, <laughs> so I'm not going to pick a track. But uh, you know, if you want the Elliot tracks, you see, you would have gone right back to the beginning and picked one of the ones off. Oh, like, yeah. You know, that was literally recorded on a four track you know, at my house while we were still at school. Um, so there's a track called Low Gen or there's a track called EH4800, which is very catchy, but we would play, <laughs> it was like a two and a half minute B-side to the first single we ever put out, but was also the last song we ever played live together uh, in a kind of 14 minute extended wig out version, uh, which we would always end shows with. So it was like a, it was like a, by the beginning, it was quite a tight little song with a little structure. And by the end, it was this thing where we all just like knew how it kind of went and mm. you just got played song. around it. And, um, and so, yeah, that was a, I'm trying to think where that would have been, but you know, like there was definitely a moment where I like hit the last beat of that last live performance and thought that's, that's probably the last time I'll, I'll play this. When was that? These guys. So, I think that might have been the Green Man Festival in like two thousand and seven, seven ish or something like that. Yeah, so something like that. Who uh, were your kind of big musical influences, or so, the bands, I suppose, particularly? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's probably a weird one because we did all grow up together so much, like sharing music. So the bands that we listened to were kind of like whatever was in for the three months that until everyone could kind of afford to catch up with each other and buy the next one. So, you know, I remember us like all racing out to buy Smashing Pumpkins records when they came out, you know, like literally who was the first person who could get hold of that CD from our price in the morning and putting it late to school <laughs> so that you had it on a Monday morning for other people did. And everyone sharing each other's copy, the enemy, like who's got the enemy this week? How, have we got enough copies between the 20 of us or so who give a shit about this stuff to all get through it? you know, on the Wednesday as opposed to have to wait till the Thursday and pick it out of the, you know, sixth form toilets or something, you know, whatever <laughs> it was. But so, um, so yeah, but, you know, bands like, bands like Tortoise were definitely really important. There were loads of other sort of post-rock bands around the same time who were, who were great. And then, and then, you know, as we got older, we kind of like retroactively attached all of the history <laughs> to it. Yeah. So we were only listening to the, the current bands and then we're like, oh yeah, like they call that Kraut Rock for a reason, you know, because yeah. like there's all these other <laughs> bands and then they call that, you know, uh, all the jazz influences, like you remember, um, you know, in my, you know, like crappy Manchester student house putting on like an Alice Coltrane record for the first time with Kieran because we've both gone into like Piccadilly Records in Manchester and we're like, that cover is pretty cool. Like we need to <laughs> buy more of this spiritual jazz stuff. We know that that is important in our development as people bought it, put it on, and then just freaked out about how great this thing was. Yeah, so, you know, like, that was just, 
you know, nuts. So it's like constant discovery together. And, you know, I mean, uh, you know, Kieran uh, is the son of a record collector um, and grew up, you know, like Kieran's first picture of him is him with headphones on, um, like sitting in front of a turntable age, right. like two and a half. Hundreds of... Uh... So just surrounded by music the whole time. His dad taught a course at South Bank University called The Sociology of Pop Music um, and spent a lot of time, you know, thinking about how it all worked. And so there's kind of this, this one guy, you know, quite important to all of this because he's totally imbued with, you know, all of this uh, thought what's, what's and records name? and Kieran Hebden. The dad. The dad, yeah. Paul Hebden. He's a big He's a sort of 75-year-old... Yeah. Uh, I must look him up. Uh, university, former university, that trip. So, yeah, so so that, that that was all just, like, the amount of music we could have access to was was probably quite great as well for the time. You know, like, mm. a few years later, like, everyone can have everything the whole yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And it's nothing yeah anymore, such a different time. That was yeah. when, you, when you're talking there about getting to the record shop yeah. and getting the enemy... The internet has just transformed yeah. that completely. Those, just, those things now don't you're just waiting anymore. for this thing to be leaked. So yeah. That yeah, 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 you know now you can have any sort of well, like you know within reason, like any record you could ever want immediate within like within a minute. Yeah. You know, yeah. Isn't that and amazing? you could have it for, as a kid. You know, especially if you're a kid, you're not paying for downloads. Or whatever. It seems like being for free is like it's just normal. The, yeah. You know, yeah. Now. Whereas then, I felt like we were coming off the end of. So like we were all grunge kids. Like we all had long hair and wore like lumberjack shirts. And immediately following that, there was this kind of eclectic period where everyone was listening to sort of jazz and hip-hop and different types of rock and all sorts, you know, anything we could get our hands on because it was all interesting. And so I think, I don't know what, what happened around then, but there were a couple of years where it all sort of set everything up. In yeah, that, I mean, that was not the case. I mean, I would, you know, I'm a bit slightly younger than you. I went to start school in 1994, mm-hmm. secondary school, um, and got into music in 94, 95, 96, whatever. So your first album came out in 97, didn't it? Yeah. Like when I think of 1997, you know, listening to music and stuff, all I'm thinking is like being yeah. here now. You know, just people <laughs> listening to like music that I loved at the time. But essentially it's all just derivative indie rock. It's not that different. I mean, you know, we all went on holiday together one year and we bought definitely maybe just before we got on the, the coach to go wherever we were going. And that was pretty much the only record we yeah. had that week. Yeah. You know, so everyone just listened to one out. You know, like, so again, like you're all, it's, it's quite a shared experience, but it didn't matter what, it wasn't like we were all listening to freaky wig out music all week. It was, <laughs> we, you know, I went to Blur at Ali Pali and that was definitely the greatest night of my life at that moment. Right. Like, and if you'd been there too, it might have been the greatest night of your life too. <laughs> I mean, it was a great thing, but, um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like we were, you know, uh, children of, apart maybe Kieran, but like my, yeah. my parents, my mum has classical music in the house and nothing else. My dad has no music at all. Uh, Ardem is the son of a Turkish piano teacher and, um, but no music, you know, and his dad would go out and play and, and we'd be playing also in like clubs at night. And so his dad would go out at like seven o'clock and we'd come back at five o'clock in the morning and then sleep all day. So Ardem wouldn't really even see his dad. Yeah, no right, in the house. So it's not, you know, we didn't have like, it's not like a wig out thing and that wasn't really what was going on in the school apart from we like these bands and we copied them it's just like when you listen to fridge it's it just seems so sort of far from where like sort of six formers the type of music six formers would make absolutely do you know what i mean it sounds like like immediately it's like very very interesting um i don't know um you know like there's some kind of maybe some of it is a little bit rocky but it just doesn't sound... It's not people getting up there like... Like, say, like, we're yeah. going to come to The Damned at some point. Yeah. Where people are just getting up there and just thrashing things out. Like, it's... 
I don't know, it's, it's hard to put into words, really. Band, it is the bands you get into, though, right? So there's this band called Quickspace Supersport that everyone got into for a while, who I don't think ever made it big. I've but, heard of them. Um, they would <laughs> They're play, in the year above, but... Uh, <laughs> well, no, so they would play, they would play like, you know, 15-minute songs and um, in uh, places where I'm sure they hadn't passed fire safety code and our parents wouldn't be happy going to, you know, having knowing that we wanted to see them. But, you know, it made us aware of what was possible. So, you're, you know, you literally are just, like, sucking straight from the influences you see. And it may just be that we, you know, if you want to add all these factors together, you know, yeah, permissive music department, hippie-ish parents, mm. kids all who want a certain freedom in the way they want to grow up, and in London, so that they can go and see yeah, shows, you London's know, with like always, a four so. quid travel card for a week or whatever, and you can go anywhere you like. Um, shows are, a, you know, five a maximum, and you can probably just about squeeze that out of your parents. So, um, you know, that helps hugely. You know, the fact that we were allowed to go to shows at, you know, 15, yeah. and, you know, I'm at Brixton Academy, and I'm like 14 or 15, and people, you know, most of my friends have already been, you know, <laughs> and it's like right. an 18 place. You know, that's a whole thing that, you know, you can get... Yeah, it gives you a few free head start, doesn't it? You said earlier that in the band Before Fridge, you guest vocaled on a couple of shows. Fridge, largely, pretty much entirely instrumental. Yeah. What does that tell us about your vocals? (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) As a vocalist, I'm a very good drummer. So so the the band that Kieran and Alan were playing in had this vocalist who was... um, he was like the world's greatest frontman. Like he was the school's Mick Jagger. He was incredible, but couldn't really sing. So um, there weren't many. There weren't any good singers around. So I actually could at least sing in tune. And Ardem can sing great. I mean, yeah, I was going to say his stuff is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ardem yeah. sings fine. We just made a decision that none of us was a frontman and uh, that we wouldn't have any singing, and that that would be our constraint. And it don't really suit the music as well either. I don't think to put vocals on necessarily yeah, you know, if you listen to it, so if we'd, if we'd been uh, honest and said our favourite band was that band Quickspace you know they had two or three vocalists doing quite close yeah. harmonies and good work together just with right. like, lots and lots of repetition yeah. and all that sort of stuff we would have we would have ripped that off but um, but we didn't so uh, we, we sort of decided we weren't going to have a singer and that the singers were a pain in the arse I think it was literally that this guy was just such a he was unreliable but yeah. you know when he got up there singers, he, he was the dude you know so. <laughs> do you remember recording this track? This there. this yeah. one, yeah, because I mean it's much more recent. It's not. Yeah, it's been five years old. It's the yeah. most recent uh, of all. Um, and by then we were kind of recording properly. You know, when we started recording, we were recording four track cassette. Mm. Uh, and then Taz come four one four. Um, I can't remember the exact model number. <laughs> I think the, the four track was a Yamaha oh, okay. uh, four track. And then we were, we were using a uh, once we signed with this record label, he paid for our equipment for a week. So he rented us some equipment, which just came to our house. Mm. So that like, came to my basement. And, um, what kind of equipment was it? So it was a Tascam eight track recorder with one track broken. So it was a seven track. <laughs> That's a world of tracks though. Uh, so suddenly so we had quite a lot of freedom. We learned how to like bounce tracks yeah, yeah, down yeah. and stuff and everything. So that was all good. And um, you know, like a couple of Shaw microphones, you know, the basic ones. Yeah. And I think he lent us like a very hard to program Korg drum machine or something. And all you need. That was all we needed, you know, to start with. We, you know, we we had a couple of like crappy Yamaha keyboards of our own, and and we had a keyboard called a Gen, which I think was an Argos analog synth. It was one that Argos, Argos analog synth. So, <laughs> so for a short period of time, fifty years is going to be a musical movement based on that. <laughs> apparently, for a short period of time, Argos sold one analog synth called a Gen, and oh it, was a, it was a monophonic. Uh, but you know, it had all your you know yeah, your yeah. stuff and. Um, 
so the first song we ever released was called Low Gen, which was basically like you got the gen and you turned it down to the lowest possible octave. Yeah. And then you would hold the note here and then you you know that what's that thing where it does the kind of like release and follow like you know like like in a yeah oscillates up so you would you know two octaves apart and we just set it to do that and that was the whole that the whole song was based around that cheap effect basically (laughs) the analog made in our sense so (laughs) and that was a seven inch so um so yeah that was all the equipment we had and we recorded and uh and this guy trevor jackson um who had just started a little label called Output, put put it out for us, um, and then said, "Well, I like that. Let's do an album as well." And we hired the seven track again, and had worked out how it worked a bit better. And I, you know, he gave us a different, you know, gave us like an eight oh eight or something. And we you hired the it. same seven track, knowing that it was a track missing. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's like we were familiar because when we first got it, it took us a day to work out how to get any sound into Lots it. Lots we needed so, another yeah. track to compliment. Yeah, <laughs> this has always been the thing. Always like you know, they're, they're flying by the seat of your pants a little bit. So. That's the amazing thing with equipment and uh, well, any type of musical equipment, but especially software. There's no wrong ways to use it. There's just different results. Like, I, I use a lot of software, cracks, all, all those bits and bobs. And you're kind of going, oh, shit, I have to read the whole manual. I don't know how to use this. And you go, I'll just start. And it always works out. Yeah, so that was... that was So so this song was much more, you know, what we're talking about here is much more... Um, you know, semi-pro in its uh, <laughs> approach rather than kind of pure amateur. It was um, recorded at a studio called The Exchange in Camden and that was where we mastered our records and there was a there was a guy who had decided he was going to build like a pure analog studio using the highest, most expensive cables and was giving it all the spiel but hadn't really got it started yet so was happy for us to kind of test it out. We rented it for a week and recorded it but... Um, yeah, I don't even know. I mean, you know, we, we we always wrote and recorded a lot at the same time, so yeah. it tended to be a bit unclear as to where that song, any of these songs came from, whether they were just made up. Because, you know, the first two albums were written and recorded in a week. Like, at, at, you know, it was literally like, we're going to have an album by the end of this week, and yeah. we would yeah. have an album by the end of the week, and more. And so, like, maybe even the third album was kind of, like, still pretty quick. So I was going to say, how much of this came out in the edit, and how much of it is kind of performed? Because I know the first minute is kind of... Those bowed cymbal sounds. Yeah, so that's like so like the the later it gets, the more it's kind of assembled. You know, yeah. the first albums yeah, are yeah. definitely like songs and, yeah. and you know pretty weird bunch of songs. And then and then as we got a bit older and you know into our yeah. early twenties, you know, we sort of started thinking right, we want to make albums that sound like this from start mm. to finish or something. And certainly, I mean, this is off the fifth album, I guess, yeah. the Sun. But the third and fourth albums were were you know I'm very happy with those because they're like a really conscious effort to produce a piece of music that mm. sounded like it ended up sounding whatever but um yeah this I, I don't recall I think I think basically it was like you know well you know we always you end up with like a bunch of songs mm. and you wouldn't know what order to put them in and you're going to try and find an order that makes it sound like an album so it mm. starts at the beginning and it ends at the end and and I think we had to splice a couple of songs together to mm. make this happen like this is hooked up to yeah. another yeah another song so a lot of post-production here or at least much you know and 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 two songs that weren't like together yeah you know they had to be joined yeah, yeah. somehow i was interested in this track because um it's a great track but it really reminded me of what radio had tried to do a few years later on things like mixomatosis they tried to have those post-rock lines that are kind of falling over each other where they're not quite fitting into those four mm-hmm. four beats i was thinking i wonder if they ripped this off because all I was hearing was, you know, down, down, down. You know that riff from Mixomatosis? Mm-hmm. And I heard this track and I thought, I checked the year and I was wondering, I didn't, 
Yeah, I, to be honest, like it, it's not the first time that's been pointed out, and um, you know, like Kieran has a credit on Hail yeah, to of the course, yeah, thief, yeah. or Nova, whichever one in Rainbows. Kieran has a credit on yeah, that, yeah, and yeah, um, as well. I need support. He, he just like a thanks. Okay, right. But uh, you know, I don't, I don't know Sorry. exactly how. That's kind of weird. <laughs> well, no, no, no. So like he, he, he did, he did sort of meet and talk to them while they were recording the record and went up and was like invited to like have a listen and put some feedback in or something so we ended up with like a thanks on it but, he's done a lot um, of work with them though. but yeah now yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. knows knows them all quite that burial well. stuff those tracks are great mm-hmm. that he did with them so um yeah they, i mean yeah, it's only the closest there so they ripped it off basically but you know never <laughs> no, you know again i've never i've never i've never heard it from them right but, but that's the problem with them they've they i mean i love them but they have just gone around magpie and everything. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> you know, and I, and I would agree with you. I think they're like fifty thousand million times better than anything we'd ever be. So that's um, you know, I'm I'm yeah. perfectly happy to be considered yeah, yeah, to be yeah. one tenth of one percent of one track. You know, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, they're very, great, yeah. very pleasing. So. But they're shameful in there. I also love Radiohead. Yeah. I like uh, as a tagline for Fridge. Uh, this is what Radiohead we're going to try and do in a few years' time. Okay. talk about bad bad names, we went never really been that happy with it but um yeah. sounds like a band name though fridge maybe that's yeah. the problem isn't it? well kieran's sister little sister who is um uh wonderful and um uh free thinking and all those sorts of things but but it was like you should call your band something really boring like shelf or fridge shelf shelf's good should we do it we, can I just ask before were you conscious of the post rock thing that that label and what it kind of entailed yeah, but I, you know, again, I think, so you, you know, the only problem I have with it is when you're being asked questions about it. Yeah. I know that sounds like a silly thing, but like when people say to you, you're just like another post-rock band, right? It's just like, yeah, but you know, if you listen to Mogwai, you get the same mm. label. Mogwai is quite a different thing. Yeah. You know, Mogwai is a sort of epic classical rock band yeah. or something. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, we used to go and play with this band called Explosion in the Sky uh, a lot when we, you know, we played in America a bit. Yeah. And, um, yeah, completely different. Yeah, 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 somehow fall under the same thing. It's like, oh, it's just because you've got no vocals, we're going to call you post rock. Yeah, yeah. And in <laughs> fact, you know, all the, you know, I think we were pretty um, uh, the more ambitious end of our references, yeah. at least compared to some of those bands. Um, you know, they just wanted to. Yeah, they were like really good. You know, these are great tunes, and mm. they're really heavy, and they've got their thing, and they do the loud, quiet thing, and yeah, yeah, yeah. the rest of it. And I think we were trying a lot more stuff. Yeah, and um, for failing a lot more, but yeah. kind of like. You know, trying a lot more stuff. So um, I find a lot more warmth in your music than in, in most bands that would fall under that sort of. I mean, a lot of yeah. it is very bombastic or very sort of uh, clinical. Yeah. But well, we know. never got. We were never good enough players to get into the clinical side of things. <laughs> no, it's true. No, it's though, a I mean, strength, isn't it? I mean, as I say, you know, like if you look, you know, Kieran was playing guitar in the band. And Kieran mm. now is, uh, you know, he's a complete virtuoso of like, yeah. you know, what he does now. But he doesn't play guitar very much anymore, and he's certainly not Herman Lee. Um, you know, Ardem, Ardem is a wonderful musician and can play a hundred different things. And you're you no know, Colin Peterson, are you? <laughs> but I don't play. I haven't played drums for five years. I taught myself. I never had a drum lesson in my life. You know, there were limits to what I could do, and I played entirely within within those limits. Mm. So, or, you know, at the edges of those limits. So it's not. But that's where 
not yeah. to sound wanky, but that's where music comes from. You know? No, absolutely. But like all, a lot of those post rock bands were very, like, were very, yeah. You know, like if you Musos. look at Tortoise, yeah. you know, like, oh, John yeah. McIntyre was like the US yeah, yeah. snare drumming champion or something, you know. Like, <laughs> and all the yeah. metal, you know, metal stuff that kind of. Yeah, like Trans Am. You ever heard Trans Am? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, like it's ridiculous. It's, yeah. Like, uh, you know, 13, 8 into 17, 6 that's into the thing. Uh, And you, it, there's a lot to admire there. But as I say, the warmth, that's what really struck me about your music, you know, with, with instrumental stuff. And I think. Uh, you know, your drumming in particular is key to that because a lot of, of bands that try and do similar things to you but use drum machines and use synthesised sounds and there is, I think, a bit of emotional remove from mm. it and the fact that, I don't know, for me it really came across that people were playing this and that was really important, I think, to the sound of the music. Yeah, and you know, so even when we were playing with drum machines there were quite a lot of times where we'd be playing it um, like live in the sense of there was no pre-programmed pattern in the drum machine at the beginning of the song and we would be like programming it as the song was going on and adding to it and all the rest of it so again even if you're using those machines they sort of come work in your favour yeah you can use use machines in a human way let's not bash the machines (laughs) next up we're going to talk about Hot Chip I don't know Joe Goddard went to Elliot, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Did all of them? Did I think all of them. So not all of them, no. Oh, so yeah. Joe Goddard went to Elliot, as did Alexis, who's the, the sort of main singer, and um, Owen, who uh, plays... I don't know what he does, but he sort of stands at the back with some boxes, so I think it's keyboards and a bit of drum machines. <laughs> uh, so the three of them went to Elliot, and then two the two other guys went to... Um, I think they were at college with Joe, so I think they knew him through there. Is this the, the time you were there, is it? Uh, Joe and Alexis are one year younger than me, so in the year below. So did you know them? Yes. Did everyone... It, music wasn't um, obligatory, was it? Um, yeah. It so is for the first three years, isn't it? Yeah, so exactly. The first yeah, three or yeah, four years, schools, until yeah. you pick your GCSEs, it? it's not yeah. obligatory. Is it? Yeah. And they, I imagine they all picked music, though, after that point. No, so none of us, I don't think any of us did music GCSE or A-level. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's where I went wrong. Oh, hang on, really? I'm being mean about it, but the music department wasn't... Like those no, teachers were, isn't it? Because those teachers were, uh, you know, like not not the exciting teachers. The, yeah. the exciting teachers, you know, up in the art department or. Yeah. In, I did music school and like you know. And the idea of doing like the idea of doing music GCSE is like doing PE or something GCSE. Yeah. It's like, do I have to really write about the physiology of the human body? Why can't I just play football like that? Yeah. That is doing music GCSE or music A level. I mean, I, I did do some extra music lessons like the school. So. Factor number seven, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So the school did give you free mu- free music lessons with music teachers to learn an instrument. So right, which is Kieran not and Arden would go to guitar lessons together, and there was a little guitar teacher called Mr. Morris who was like into classical guitar. So they're all like up on your knees. Um, weird you thing. Sorry, I know there's not not the best actions for radio. Um, <laughs> but he uh, didn't really care about the timetable. So you meant to only go for 20 minutes or half an hour or something, so you wouldn't miss a whole lesson. He's playing uh, Albatross for two hours. <laughs> Basically, Mr. Morris would let them all go down there together. And so, you know, Kieran would go down for his lesson, and Ardens would be half an hour later. And so Kieran would stay for Ardens' lesson. And then the next person would go down and stay for that. So Herman's the end, in there for all of them. There'd be, like, <laughs> there'd be like four guitarists down there, and Mr. Morris sitting in the corner, like telling them to play classical and none of them, all of them ignoring it and just trying to learn yeah. how to play whatever or whatever and teaching each other. So, you know, that was a two hour, they'd be having these like two hour guitar lessons and not showing up for double maths and all the rest of it. I, on the other hand, made the unwise decision to learn trombone. Uh, so I went and would have like trombone lessons for half an hour on my own. No one's which... coming half an hour. <laughs> yeah, and I would come back and do maths. Uh, it was, uh, you know, it was fine. 
but I mean, it gave me, I suppose, some sort of like formal music training. Like I can, you know, I can read music and all the rest of it. But um, yeah, I never got very good. But they all, they all did. They would all play together. The same with the drum. The drum teacher was again very like cool about letting people stay and learn from one another. And, and so there play. was there was a music class. There was also instrumental teachers. Yeah. Um, this is fascinating because it was it's so different to what I went through. So did anyone go to your school? Any famous musicians? Like, first, Larry Mullen, Mullen Jr. Everyone learns a tin whistle, don't they? Yeah, that's obligatory. We played tin whistle on recorder. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's a whistle. <laughs> no, uh, you learn tin whistle on recorder when you're young. Yeah. And then this first school I went to two schools for senior school, and the first school didn't have music. Second, then I left oh. there. Second school did, but there were seven of us in the class. And five of them just sat there going, <laughs> um, but we didn't. There was no pop music on the curriculum. And, oh, sorry, we did Bohemian Rhapsody, but it was all classical, you know. Well, I didn't have a clue about it at that point, but I got really into it then, so it was kind of great. But so you can add, so you can add to that. There were two other, um, two or three other things on top that were sort of regular things. So one was a swing band. So the school actually had like a sort of like Matt the Knife playing wow. swing band. How big was how big was each year? Uh, a couple of hundred kids. Right. So it's twice yeah. as so big as thousand, my school. There's yeah. a thousand yeah. kids all so together at the school. So it's so so the like, equivalent of having two jar wobbles. So it's still. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, a bit like you know, like I can play King of the Road pretty well on the trombone. You know, and like, <laughs> 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 uh, so that sort of. So that was one. So I guess you know, if you want to go like into the sort of deep psychology of it, that. Yeah. Got people performing, yeah, 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 and yeah. you know, literally the school band. Yeah, so there's yeah. a culture of performing. So, yeah, music. Every, I mean, everyone. Yeah, well, getting you on a stage, do, playing, yeah. Yeah, playing yeah, yeah, an nine, instrument. Nine hundred and seventy yeah. other kids hated the swing band, but for the thirty of us who were in it, you know, yeah, you get yeah, to yeah, play yeah. twice a term, assembly or something. And Did you have to wear that. suit suits or anything? No, it was pretty. Um, it was pretty chill on that front. Um, and then there was a jazz group run by a really weird, freaky guy who tied up his trousers with electrical cape flex. Um, was he a teacher or was he just... He was just a guy who used to come in right, after yeah, school yeah. and they'd be like... It's all and coming was, together right now. Yeah, 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 it, yeah. it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and it was, it was fairly free. Yeah, it's like, just like any like... other school, you know, it's a jazz band. <laughs> yeah, there was a guy, <laughs> a guy came in with electrical cord holding up his trousers to uh, lead a musical. Was that? Because that didn't happen in other schools. So that was very... That was again like... It was like, well, we're going to play John Coltrane now, you know. Like, yeah. here's the chords and everyone gets a solo and all the rest of it. And, um, you know, if you ever talk to Kieran... Kieran and Ardem, there is the most humiliating video of me playing a trombone solo in, in that uh, particular performance group at no, a, parent, a parents' evening one night. YouTube? I don't know if it's on YouTube, and oh I hope gosh. they never hear this. <laughs> I think it may be on VHS, which makes it oh, that bit of a pain in the ass to get on YouTube. <laughs> but, um, and then, you know, there were a few other bits and bobs, but nothing quite so, you know, it was like a steel band. Like yeah, but you say that there's a steel band, but we didn't have any, we didn't have a steel <laughs> I think, band. I think what we're learning, and this is something that occurred to me, of course, your experience of school is your experience of school. Yeah, yeah, so you're going, that's what, that's what we're not yeah. You have a swing band, yeah, 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 yeah. a jazz band, a yeah. steel band. I'd love to do an analysis though of standard other skills. You know, I was cycling in and, and trying to add up the various bits. You know, and I know that it doesn't kind of add up. No, no, it's not. But no, no single it. piece is like, yeah. oh, that's the one. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I think that jazz band is the one. But it's like if you look at Seattle or if you look at any cities where scenes have emerged, you can point to environmental factors like you have done. But there's not the, the golden thing where it goes, no, that's why it happened. Yeah, yeah, one element, yeah. So with so. that, it's, it's all those things you said, but it's a still... I'd love to pick a school that had a similar kind of... Um, a similar set of all these different musical bands, this mm. freedom to perform. I'd love to see if there was any... Well, volume kind of four result. of uh, yeah. our playlist will be uh, the Brit. But school. that's, that's a different that's case. And it's very that's different, different but, yeah. you know, kind it's of interesting con- contrast. Uh, to do it. 
if we can get. The thing it. is, the Brit schools probably produce a similar number of. Yeah. Uh, well, if you look on, well, oh, just on the little, there was like two, two or three times ones. as many. But I'd say quality-wise, it's it's a very different crowd, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah, it's different. Yeah. yeah. But don't yeah. spoil uh, playlist volume four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot of Brit schools and, and goldsmiths people, so you know most oh, people right. we get auditioning for us are Brit school people, and they fed them what to say and they've right. done that. But we, we, them. we can talk about that. So yeah, Fotchit went through the same experience basically. That, you know, at least a good chunk of the band and John yeah. and Alexis, who are kind of um, at least the original kind of nucleus of that band, were just you know best friends from the same year, mutual love of similar music. Uh, would you know be so? Um, so my bro- my little brother, who's like three years younger than me, is uh, best mates with Joe Goddard's little brother. And so like it wasn't even just like a you know Joe was like looking up to the you know the older kids. Whatever. There's like actual like hanging out close hanging yeah, out yeah, link yeah, yeah. the whole time across across mates and stuff so so like joe goddard uh when you sign a record deal at 16 17 it's pretty exciting I yeah guess. joe goddard yeah. sort of 14 15 yeah, yeah. oh right yeah, yeah. i can I mean, get a record yeah yeah that's yeah. what happens yeah. if you play yeah. if you, do, you know oh. you know and if you if you you know that that closeness stays on as well like we we were all still close you know like and also in terms of like advice and support we know when they go to play their first gig they're not going into it They've got people they can talk to. That, Don't know. plug six tape machines. <laughs> what are you doing with ironing boards? Single socket. What are you doing with ironing boards? Pretty much that. So yeah, you know they were a very different band. Like they started out like much more. Yeah, you know, I think I think Alexis played guitar. I don't know. I can't remember. You know, they, you know they were much more like a normal type of thing, and they they changed into what they ultimately became. Yeah. Like, so it's like a very sort of standard it? rock setup. Sort of thing. Yeah, I think it was a bit more yeah, like what was it like Alexis is super into Prince and stuff, so it was a bit more solely stuff. You know, if you hear him sing now, it's mm. kind of like what is it? It's kind of like white middle class soul sort of thing. You know? <laughs> yeah. Blue yeah. We chose to track "Boy from School" mainly because of the title, because it just echoes what we're talking about. But also, uh, I don't know if anyone's seen the video. Mm. It's a tremendous video, yeah. isn't it? It's a gorgeous song. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a very good song as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's my favourite. One of my favourite songs of theirs. Yeah, I chose right there. To me, it, it captures like, and this is very, very high praise, but because they're my favourite band, but it captures something of uh, "Wouldn't It Be Nice" by the Beach Boys. It's that weird thing of like the innocent memory as innocence and looking back to school days and this kind of fabricated. I don't know. It's, it's there's something there's something rich in there. It's great. So how did it work out for them? So we got signed. After being on this label with Trevor Jackson, it's like an indie label, we got signed by a label called Go Beat, which had um, Gabrielle and Portishead on it by this wow. A&R guy. Yeah, they were big, weren't they, Go Beat? I remember. Yeah, and so the A&R guy then started a little indie on the side called Moshi Moshi. I don't quite know how it happened, but he did end up putting out some Hot Chip records pretty early on um, before they then signed to, you know, EMI or whatever. So um, I think there was a sort of little helpful nepotism going on there as mm. well about who heard what and how that all worked so I guess yeah well, I mean, one way or the other we kind of helped each other slightly you know. did it end up with like A&R guys coming to the school and sort of going who's in a band <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know I don't know what happened later on but um, while we were there because you know that was we were the only band to have a record deal and we'd just left by the time it mattered so um, you know everyone else had then left too I mean you know if you look even you know, if you try, you know Burial was there at the same time I think Barry was in the same year as Joe and Alexis. Who's year below you? Is that his birth name? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so his birth name, you know, Will, um, is, uh, but like, it was like 10 years later before he put any records out. Right, yeah, so, yeah. Um, so it's not know, part of that way. You put I don't think do you know him? 
Are you no, allowed to say? Really, not really. No. So I mean, um, I, I knew him at the time, and um, you know, I know his I know his brother reasonably well. His brother lives with one of my best mates yeah. uh, in Camberwell. Um, but, so is it a, uh, is it a secret identity sort of thing? Well, so yeah, Burial, Burial had yeah, a secret yeah. identity for quite a long Everyone time. Everyone thought he was Kieran Hampton or not, not really Code serious, Nine. No, but this was the bullshit that was yeah. going around. Like. Well, it, what happened was uh, he recorded under the name Burial. We'll, we'll jump to Burial now. He recorded under the name Burial, um, and no one really minded that no one knew who he was until he got nominated for the Mercury Music yeah, Prize. Yeah. At which uh, point, yeah. Gordon Smart of the yeah. Sun couldn't stand the fact yeah. that no one knew who he was. So the Sun did this massive shout out with like. Right. Oh, uh, if our readers can find out, and then someone, and it was great. Uh, some dubstep forum uh, tried to convince them that one of the, they just yeah. nominated a user called Dubstep Luke. So yeah. Gordon Smart, a couple of weeks into it, was going, uh, "The name Luke keeps coming up," <laughs> uh, and it, they almost managed to swerve the sun into <laughs> nominating Dubstep Luke from a forum into thinking that, uh, uh, it was very. What is it? Because of the nationality thing. Is that why they wanted to know? They just because let's say that when Anthony and Johnson's one, we like, oh, he's lives in New York. He has to be British. Though. Yeah, like yeah, with yeah. Andy and Johnson's, there was a little bit of controversy, wasn't there? Because he was like, I mean, he's English, he's kind of, you know, he's transatlantic, and he? yeah, yeah. Oh, you mean because there was a question mark? Whether yeah, they were like, you know, he lives no, in New York or whatever. It's just, just a tabloid newspaper can't stand not yeah, knowing yeah, something. Yeah. Yeah. They just have to dig into things, and they know so, people are fascinated by that. Yeah, when I first heard about it, some readers are fascinated by Beryl's identity. Just these. No, that is, Scumbag yeah, journey, they, I mean, it's it? the sun in it, so they yeah. ask gummy, but it is like, you do kind of end up going, I want to know who Banksy is. It's yeah. just a sort of Banksy comparison. So is it well. twin, though? Joe, is it? They're twins, Joe and him. Oh, he's, now you're just feeding into the myth, aren't you? Well, they are, they're <laughs> twins. I mean, they're just, they're, you know... They're, that must be they're useful quite... for keeping up a... <laughs> <laughs> not, ident- not identical twins, but, you know, keep a... They, they you know, I don't know. You don't have to reveal anything, but the people know who he is now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The son, the son still found very, out. Well, he's still... He doesn't DJ. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. play live. He doesn't ever want to. But you know, doing like collaborations with Tom York and stuff. It's not like a. Obscure. It's not on yeah. the down low anymore. Right. <laughs> well, he did. Yeah, the, the son exposed him. He, uh, I think it was still MySpace at this point. He just went online and said, "Yeah, this is me. I just want to make music. I, I have no interest in doing interviews or any sort of promotional work." Which is fair enough, isn't it? You know. Yeah. If that's not what you're in it for, but I think that music's great. I mean, again, I, I you know, I think it may well have liked Burial before I knew that Burial was the guy that went to my school. Right. Yeah. yeah. Burial. Burial. It's just. Yeah. It's otherworldly. Yeah. I mean, not to. It's music that really lends itself to waffle. Yeah. Absolutely. So I have to yeah. be careful as someone who writes out music. You know, when you come to music like this, you can invent worlds for this thing because it's I'll, so non. It's so kind of nebulous and dreamy and all the rest, of it, and that's built into it. Already, so when you come to write about it, you have to be careful. I've got a quote here that says, uh, His snares and hi hats are covered in fuzz and phaser, like cobwebs on forgotten instruments. Yeah. <laughs> like, I guess it is sort That's of. from one of your pieces, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, there's all sorts of quotes that go around about him. I took down a few, I'm, yeah. But it's great music, though. That's yeah, the point. That's it, the it drives that kind of speak. critical energy, you know? I think the, the one that I liked, which maybe is relevant to South London hardcore, is it, I think it might even be him saying that. He wanted to make a record that sounded like driving around South London. Yeah, yeah, and I think that, and the afterglow. Of yeah, and I think that first record does sound. You can totally put that onto it, yeah. and it sounds yeah. about yeah. right. So, um, well, we've chosen South London Boroughs as a track yeah. just because the uh, name <laughs> uh, works for us. Also, it, it's it kind of makes sense because it's his first, it's his first release. Yeah, and, and it's closest yeah. to the school, I guess. So, yeah. One still a way yeah. off. That's the thing. Still, still yeah, and still and years off. You know, from memory. I don't think he was playing in anything mm. or playing anything. 
at the time. Uh, not in the no, school he, band. Not in a school band. From what I know, <laughs> he was, kind of came later. He was at yeah. home just listening and making stuff on crappy programs. Yeah. Didn't think it were going to be So anything. again, I think this is where the link suddenly, like, the link breaks. I mean, I think, like, Hot Chip. Yeah. You know, Hot Chip, Fridge, Arden, Fortet is, like, one little wave. And the rest of it and the stuff that came before it is completely separate. But he did a track. He's done tracks with... Yeah, so I think that was more like a post hot, you know, like once it came out who he was, yeah. like they were kind of got in touch with one another. And ah, right, right, it right. Out. Yeah. So I don't Friends know. reunited. You know, because Kieran's done a, Fortet's done a XX remix as yeah. well. But again, I think that one was totally like... It's more to do with being like musical contemporaries, musical isn't it? Rather you know, than yeah, alumni. And I think you know, if you... Alumnus. Again, we're not going to get them the, singer, yeah, for the XX. It's like, <laughs> they don't buy the whole school link thing, at least Ryan Stanley. Like, yeah, they're very dismissive. But that's not, that's not to say that that's, you can't take them out. They're worse. Like musicians are always trying to puncture things. And go, no, I think no, no, no. I Which, think their thing was specifically that music teacher that turned up. And yeah, going, yeah, uh, never heard. Luckily, of I uh, yeah. you didn't you didn't do anything for me. Also, I think as well. I mean, they're very young, the XX, aren't they? You do kind of don't want to. You want to distance yourself yeah, from yeah, it, yeah. like you were saying as well. You're doing all this stuff after school in the practice rooms. You're not doing it in music lessons. Mm-hmm. You don't want to give the you school credit. Yeah, 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 you've put the work in. You know, for the XX, we chose Islands as the track. I believe that was your choice, Jack. Stephen. Stephen's choice. Well, I, I unfashionably love the XX. Not well, unfashionably because they're very tough. Well, yeah, as soon as they kind of... When I first... It was a weird one because when I first heard about them, they were so cool that it wasn't cool to like them. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm going to need like, clarification. They, they immediately jumped the shark in terms of like oh, any right. kind of underground identity. Like Guardian, Album of the Year, blah, 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 blah all the rest of it. Like music prize. Against all that, I think their, their music is incredible. I love it. Uh, and I chose that track because it's it just has the kind of fundamental dynamic in that music is is the playing off of your man's kind of loudness and the the, the, the real lazy delivery and her really soft breathe. I love that interplay of those two. And this track, like most other tracks, is just so simple. The musical space in it, there's just nothing there. Really. There's no bed of sound. There's just these little lines coming in together, and it just works really, really well. It kind of similar way to Albatross, kind of constructed in the same way. Um, I could have chosen any of the tracks. VCR off their first album. Another really, really lovely little track. You're all looking at me as if you don't like this band at all. I, I don't know them. Uh, <laughs> okay, right. well, I've got, heard of them. But. I got, it's the earliest I've ever got into a band because my sister's friend was in the band at first. Ah. Like she just kind of... She was very attractive and just made kind of noises not noises but you know what I mean she used to kind of sing a little bit right and this is so this is they were just it was MySpace days yeah so like there were there were a billion bands so it was like not a big deal that it was a band do you know what I mean yeah, yeah. but um and then she left the band and I kind of kept listening to them and I got a CD early on that, right like, you were really early yeah I got this hand sprayed CD yeah. with like this hand written you showed me that actually. yeah and yeah, I sent yeah. them a message when, when I bought it I was like it's like two quid or something I think it might have even been free I said can you just sign it like just got a bit of a you know but they wrote like two jack so that's annoying the value's just like good floor. but like it's like a release that's not even got a wikipedia entry um but yes yeah, so i like the band yeah. yeah i thought the first record was good second record's really good but i, I think it's a bit i, I went got a little, second record slightly. well I've, i think they're both really solid albums but i find it odd that a band has got so far without having a single great track like there's no i don't think there's anything I think on either, i think everything yeah. on the first album yeah, well, yeah. I, I'm sure. Yeah, I know I'm in the minority because people love it. But I, I remember listening to the record several times and thinking it's really good. But there's nothing I would put on my desert island disc shortlist. There's nothing wrong with that though. Mm-hmm. Like that's again, like I think. So I, I think it's a, a really good. The yeah. first one's a really good record. I yeah. Don't know, the second one at all, but like it's um, 
Uh, it was that was when I felt like my band had made it musically that we didn't have any. There were no standouts, yeah, but yeah, the yeah. whole thing felt good. You it's know, like, everything. Yeah. No uh, singles. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's what they've gone for. Filler. And the like, second, <laughs> the second album is very similar to the first, and it's it's all so strong. Mm-hmm. I think you know, I think it's very good. And I'm not saying I'm not having to go out of the band. I like I really like them, mm. but I just. I would much rather have one song that would be on my Desert Island Discs long list of like 100 tracks or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Than a really good record. Like, yeah. I can That's happily put it on not, and listen to it, but I just don't but see I how you become like, that big without... I think VCR hit, and but, Islands and... What's the other big one from that first album? Huge, like, huge I'll tell you songs. what, early on they, they did a song called um, Teardrops. I was like, this is brilliant. This is the one. Turned out to be a bloody Womack cover. <laughs> Womack? So, yeah, Bobby Womack, in it. Oh, right, right. Oh, in it. Yeah, I was like, this is brilliant. This the is their best track. <laughs> That's a good one for them to cover, actually. Yeah, they are good. They They're are really good. Um, it's just the interplay of those two. It's great. And obviously your man, Jamie, the producer, he's got a touch. Like, he, he's doing great stuff. I intended to listen to his Gil Scott Heron record before this, really so I didn't get around really to good. it. Really good. Is it good? Yeah, yeah, yeah really good. Um, and what's the other thing he did recently? Oh well, he oh. did. He did take care. He did the title track of Drake. He, I know none of you like Drake. I've heard but, um, his uh, Gil Scott album uh, much. Yeah, yeah, really good. It? Yeah, no, I did really enjoy it. I, I just realised when you said Jamie XX, I was like, I've heard Jamie XX, yeah. So but, it turns out I have heard XX. <laughs> but do you know uh, the title track of Drake's album, Take Care? It's got a real distinctive XX guitar riff in it. Really gorgeous, and that's been transplanted into this huge mainstream okay. record. The Maccabees took their name. From the Bible by picking out a random word. I read that. I just thought, you dicks. <laughs> like they've no, they've no investment in it at all. Well, we've got someone from Frigid. So <laughs> but Maccabees has a very it's like a it's, thing. It means something. Yeah, it's that's important to Jewish people. Oh right. Yeah, I, I learned about. I mean, I was raised Christian, and I've got quite a good knowledge of the Bible. But I'd never heard of the Maccabees until that Friends episode. It's like a big thing in Judaism, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's like where they it were splits like the off. It's where it splits off from Christianity, you know, like there's like an overlap with the Torah. Right. So I don't really know what the Maccabees means, but it's, you know, the thing that kind of, I know this, like we've kind of said there's some links, there's maybe no links, you know, between all these bands here. But one sort of odd link is there seems to be a lot of, especially in the last 20 years, a lot of bands that are innovative or doing interesting things or, you know, or maybe it is derivative of stuff that I've never heard, like Tortoise, never heard of them. Like, I, you know what I mean? But um, with the Maccabees, like, it's just such standard indie rock, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's yeah, very... Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's probably... Yeah, they're, I think they're the least interesting yeah. act. All I've got written in terms of uh, notes for the song uh, about your dress is uh, Odd Voice. And even then, it's not so much odd. It was a thing at the time, so wasn't it? It's very sort of like Kate Nash sort of... yeah. She'll you know, be coming off my Brit Awards playlist. <laughs> Brit Awards, but it's just Brit it, it's that sort of thing where I'm all for my all my favourite vocalists have odd sounding voices, but they have odd sounding voices that are interesting. Whereas this was just very sort of it's, like it's that gobby persona thing. Yeah, right? I just don't buy it at all. Yeah, did you do you know this track? No, because the drums in the verse are just Stuart Copeland. You know, <laughs> from the police. You know that type of thing? It's just like, what? That's in my notes as well. It's not. It just <laughs> seems ludicrous to be making this type of music in 2007. Yeah, I don't, I don't buy it. I'm, it's not for me. There's anyway. a full load of that though, isn't there? I mean, yeah, there is. Like, and there's money to sort of like, you know, like, it's yeah. really the Leeds weekend. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Half yeah. the band. And like, when I got into music, listening to like, you know, Oasis and Cast and uh, oh, Supergrass God. and, I mean, some, some great stuff again, like, you know, with a lot of derivative bands. You, I think you kind of get your fill of it 
Like I've kind of listened to indie. I listened to indie rock for about seven or eight years or whatever. Maybe but it's slightly not longer. About, it's not about like. Oh, maybe there's an element of quality. Obviously, there's an element of quality. But you know, when new indie rock bands come along now, I just feel like I've heard all this. Like, but it's about historic, like the historical context. Like Oasis and all that. They came out of a lot of things that they obviously derived from, but it was a little bit fresher. Like, mod culture hadn't had as many revivals, not as mainstream revivals like that. Now, people making, white boys making indie rock, you just go, oh, why Why would you even bother? Stuff you were talking about earlier, when it got to the later 90s, you're aware of all these different influences going on. And there was a sense that music diversified a little bit. You know, you can't really get away with making that kind of thing anymore. But then also, people do it, you go, post-internet as well, you've got access to yeah, exactly. pretty much yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. It's not a case of, oh, all I've heard is this, and I've got a base here on this, and I'm restricted by this. Now, you can, you know, researching this, you go on YouTube, yeah. and it's just overwhelming, the stuff that you can get from that one website that is limited in terms of what's uploaded, who's uploaded, what's about. Even then, it's still, you're still going to listen to, yeah. to everything. So there's enough that you can get your teeth into, isn't there? Yeah. I mean, not to damn a whole genre, because you can make good stuff within the genre, but this particular track... Not really for me. The Maccabees had to reschedule one of their gigs when I got married because my friend was a sound man. <laughs> so he's now with the 1975, who going by their name, and like the fact that my brother quite likes them, they must be terrible. <laughs> he was with, um, what's their name? The one that's saying, I got you being in me from my house. Duffy. Yeah, Duffy, yeah. yeah. He was with her for a while. Another revivalist. Yeah. Pastiche. Artist. She's just knocked on the edge. She couldn't be bothered anymore. Apparently, she's she, not she really just, nice. quit, just stopped. No, but yeah, she released. I think she just, yeah, she just got sick of it by the by the end of this kind of tour cycle. She was or whatever. with her, wasn't she? But she was kind of positioned by, I suppose, yeah. a lot of diet Pepsi. Diet Pepsi. Yeah. Bernard Butler, I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. Bernard <laughs> Butler kind of came across her, I think, and then like record company money and stuff just sort of flung yeah. her out into. Yeah. I don't know if she maybe she wrote Mercy and it was a massive hit. I remember hearing it again. There's another one where. You know, a, a rare occasion where you hear something before anyone else has heard it because my friend was a sound man. And I was in um, Primark in Peckham and it was someone's ringtone. Primark in Peckham. <laughs> someone's <laughs> phone rang. She was just like post Winehouse though, right? Yeah. It was like, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. cashing yeah. in on Winehouse. Yeah. Yeah. But we, and Absolutely. without any soul, really. Well, yeah, well. Amy Winehouse coming up on our Brit Awards, uh, Brit Awards Brit School playlist. So hang <laughs> yeah. around for that. Yeah. Well, that's a good example because that's someone who was doing pastiche where it was interesting. At least mm. more interesting than Duffy. And, you know, you can say the same about uh, Maccabees. There's people doing that that's a bit more interesting than them. Post-Fridge, Kieran Hebden becomes Fortet and records a number of albums and a lot of remixes as well. We've chosen the track A Joy to talk about. Yeah, I liked it, Stephen. That's why I chose it. <laughs> it's like kind of rumbly. What's the instrument? It's great. What do you mean, what's the instrument? Like the kind of like, is it a bass? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, some sort of. There's a bass going through it. There's a low bass line. Keyboardy, looped. Yeah. It kind of. It sound. It's the sort of thing you would track. listen to, and that you would come up with the term post rock yourself. I think. <laughs> this. I don't really know what this is. I, I've kind of lost what genre. This track this to me, yeah, it's, 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 it's 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 kind of it actually sounds like grime. It has got the energy of grime, and it kind of sounds like wonky, no wonky stuff. Yeah. Um. Uh, well, it's interesting. So one is like Hudson Mohawk and um, uh, Rusty. It's like quite a bitty, but, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Um, souped up sonically and really, really kind of boisterous and in your face. This track is again sort of like chip that. tune, isn't it? Sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but um, yeah, so that's that's what I thought of this track. Well, there's also there's a, a Percy P. 
vocal remix as well, oh. which I think sort of taps into what you're saying about it being like a grime track, yeah. which uh, I thought was really interesting. Yeah, we've got a lot. We, we've talked about a lot of instrumental things mm. tonight, and how you made a conscious decision as a band not to use vocals. Mm. But I think it's interesting when you can have an instrumental track, and it's almost the reverse, isn't it? You yeah. get sort of most remixes tend to be emphasising uh, the music. So yeah. You get a remix where you go, we're going to add yeah. a, a vocal to a track that was never really designed to have one, but it fits perfectly. Mm. It sounds great. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so Kieran, like Kim's now one of my oldest friends i mean mm. like you know he, he walked into one uh, sh on day one and uh, looked like joey ramone or something like he had massive hair and like skin tight black jeans and a big pair of converse on and looked like know, you know you know he walked into <laughs> so he walked in so he walked in with this guy damien who uh had like massive hair metal hair and wore like a skull ring and full leathers and a ri- and a studded wristband. First, on his first day at school. First day, so eleven and you know eleven and a quarter, or whatever it was, <laughs> and got immediately told by the teacher that this, there were limits. He got told to take the metal wristband off. The skull, <laughs> the skull ring could stay, but the uh, studded wristband. Uh, and I was like, you know, these two guys. You know, I was there like short back and sides and pretty like regular looking. And I was like, these two guys are pretty incredible. So um, it definitely felt like. Uh, a, a funny and fun place to be. Anyway, so Kieran and I ended up going to college together. Um, both chose to go to Manchester after finishing school. And then with his uh, student loan money, he bought a PC and decided to start making music and sampling and stuff like that. So actually it was sort of almost, you know, Frigid put out one record at the time and he had started trying to work out how to do that and stuff. Mm-hmm. So he basically ran both at the same time for four or five years before it obviously became the bigger mm-hmm. and better thing that the rest of us weren't going to be able to keep up with. And, uh, and kind of went his own way with it. So. Do you follow all that stuff now? Yeah, I mean, we, you know, still talk to him the whole time and see, yeah. him, see him all the time. But would you actively go out and search or would you just... So I don't go out much because I've got two young kids, but I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I, I tend to get hold of the stuff before, yeah. you know, before it comes out and get a listen to it and everything like that and have, um, you know, really enjoyed the yeah, last few yeah. records. I mean, I felt like, you know, he probably knows, but, you know, like, you know, it just gets better as it goes on. Yeah. Like he gets more and cleverer and more interesting, and you know, like he just put out something that was basically like uh, loads of samples of like '90s pirate radio, oh, yeah. just made totally out of samples yeah. of pirate radio or something, and completely different to anything mm. that they'd done before. And you know, it's um, constantly looking where to go. Oh yeah, you know, the stuff with Steve Reed is just amazing. Yeah, yeah, like, who, you know, like a total. Free live electronics yeah. and drums thing like incredible. It's, it's really that's uh, when I started taking notes of them really mm-hmm. I just thought that was incredible and the burial stuff collaborations yeah. are really good and the remixes are always really good like he's done a Justin Timberlake re- remix recently yeah you know like it's um, and it's pretty it's good yeah I can't, the most whatever the most recent mirrors tunnel vision well the most most recent is take back the night I don't know then. One, of, one of those three I'm thinking is, is the well, answer to it but yeah you know Timberlake Timberlake remix yeah you know, yeah, I first heard of him as a remixer, and it was. And when I first saw the name come up, like Fortet Remix, mm. I was like, "Is it two people, three people? Yeah. You have no idea what four. sort of yeah." Four. Do we know where the name comes from? Uh, I never quite worked it out. So yeah, it was. It, I think it was just like quartet, but with a four. Yeah. In it. It's kind of just like a pop translation oh, of quartet. Right, isn't yeah, it? I like that. Yeah. Five tet. <laughs> So yeah, it was just like it was him in a Manchester student bedroom with a ripped off copy of Cakewalk, you know, four or whatever it was, mm-hmm. just stealing stuff off the turntable and turning that into records. And, and so Trevor, again, who was putting out Fridge Records at the time, was like, "Yep, yeah, I'll have some of this and put that out." And um, 
the first one he put out was called 3625 and it was 36 minutes and 25 seconds long <laughs> uh, one, one track uh, and still actually is pretty good it's worth it's it's worth a you know worth a listen yeah he's very busy you know? he, does, he, does, mm. he does a lot he makes a lot of well, music it just, in works. terms of productivity i mean the quality is, is there as well but it's remarkable um yeah. the amount of his own stuff he's putting out the collaborations he's doing and the remixes you know, just the remixes alone would be yeah. uh, enough of a job for what some people. Yeah, I mean, I'm on um, this email list with him and about 30 other people called the Nerd List, which is a sort of opportunity for people like, well, people, in, you know, not just just nerds, general, general, any, you know, any one of us could be on it in our own not me, or, not me or Steve. <laughs> well, you, know, sure. you could be honest. Uh, you know, but you know, just it's not just about music though, because it's what movies have you watched, where have you eaten recently, and maybe I'll like, be all the rest of it. <laughs> so, so um, you know, but like it's interesting to you know, it's kind of somewhere you can sort of slightly observe the like cross pollination and the borrowing from. Mm. You know, I just heard this, and what about this, yeah. and la la la, and it's just like fifteen emails a day of this sort of stuff going back and um, forward it's the kind of thing um, someone who was writing a biography or an analysis of Fortet would love to see yeah <laughs> <laughs> unpick all of that stuff so, can you BCC Stephen in please <laughs> <laughs> do yeah. I, honestly there's no there's no joining criteria if you, you know, I suspect that I've earned enough credit there to introduce someone if you want to join please a do, list yeah. of that music. well out of the three of us we definitely nominate Stephen <laughs> <laughs> oh, you do I mean it's way out of my level so yeah, it sounds like maybe more at yours but um, you might have something to add though whereas I just get to listen <laughs> I was, I was thinking go to Adam next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <coughs> Were you originally going to say Adam? Yeah. <laughs> I'm really glad you said yeah. I was going to say Adam. So. I think I was going, yeah, just Adam. Yeah. But well, so, so he, we'll he's such a nice person that he really doesn't care if, if you call him Adam. But um, uh, it, notionally, he does have this really long A at the beginning, like Arden and Adam. Adam. Uh, it's a Turkish name. And his, his dad's Turkish. And, uh, and he ended up at Elliot... Uh, actually in a different class but in a class where he got treated so badly probably because he wore a cape and Chelsea boots every day that <laughs> he had to leave it and, and join the, the magical but which what then become 2SH uh, and uh, you know me and Kieran and, and a lot of other people in the class together and, uh, and and those two particularly became incredibly close around playing guitar so you know they would go to guitar lessons together and, and um, sort of taught each other how but to play but that's quite interesting isn't it that one move from one class to the other it could have all gone so he would, well, he, I think he chose to come to this class. I think he was somehow, trans, you know, he made the made it known that he wanted to come into this class and uh, that there were Met people guitar lessons. Yeah, and, you yeah. know, and that it was going to work out if he came that way. So uh, Adam, Adam arrived, and uh, and again, yeah, you know, just like the same thing. So we were all in fridge together, and Adam played the bass, and um, you know, and we we all had the sort of closeness of our friendship you know we would do everything together but also the closeness sort of musically of you know me and Arden have got to be like a rhythm section and we've got to be able to you know he's so clever at this stuff like I don't know if I had to think about anything but he was thinking enough about me to make it all work together <laughs> and then him and Kieran being having played together for years they knew how to work together and write things and you know, I'm only the drummer so I don't get to write mm. that much stuff so like it's like you know they know how to work together and then everyone taught each other and and um you know, at the end of this, Arden, you know, whatever the moment where it sort of fractured off and everyone got to go their own way a bit, Arden was listening to folky stuff and, and mm. was had always written songs and had written songs for the band, which I was guest-taking singing in age 13 and was now, you know, into his 20s and writing proper songs that weren't about 
you know, Teenage Rebellion and kicking bins over or whatever they were, <laughs> you know. Uh, and, um, and there we were. So he, he, he went off and started making these rather beautiful, sort of totally handmade, folky records. Yeah. And, um, and goes vocal. That's and the, goes yeah, vocal, big you know, and, 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 and Joe yeah. from Hot Chip was in his band for a while before Hot Chip became Hot Chip. And um, the bass player who was... Um, who played in the band with Badly Drawn Boy with us was in his band. You know, so it's like, you know, you, you know who you know and you, yeah. you stick with who you know and um, how it all works out. So, so yeah, so he made, you know, three or four really nice uh, records. I think he's in the process of writing another one at the moment and has been doing all sorts of other musical things and bits of production. And um, he just, uh, I can't even say. He's doing something kind of cool. <laughs> I'm you have sure to get on the email list to find out whether I can say what, what that nah, is. Yeah, don't put yourself in any sort of. Uh... Uh, but yeah, quite you know, quite different, obviously. And I think you know, it was always something that it wanted to do was to make proper songs and um, you know have choruses and you know be uplifting in all the right ways and um, and try and uh, also do it a bit differently. I mean, he has a you know he well, does so just adding words, adding lyrics. Yeah, to it. but Suddenly he does have a, into you know, an ever so slightly more. different view on the universe. You know, like his um, he wore a cape. He wore a cape, um, you know. So Home of Songs is all, you know, was like the first record, and that's, you know, a bit more maybe like you might kill me, but like a bit more of a standard concept, you know, records about like, yeah. domestic and like love and all the rest of it. But then he made this record like Love and Other Planets, which is kind of like a cosmic, you know, like love record, and is a bit weird and um, all out there, and definitely trying to like think about things a bit differently. So again, probably and probably quite unexpected from having been in an instrumental band. Mm. Um, which song did you pick? We chose Statued. Okay. <coughs> um, partly because it's in uh, Dead Man Troops as well. It gives us a chance to talk about that. Mm. I imagine that was quite exciting for him to... You'd have to ask him. <laughs> mm. I think we were on that sound- I think we were on that soundtrack as well. But oh, yeah. I've got a copy of it in its shrink wrap somewhere. <laughs> have you not seen it? I haven't, no. Oh, I hear it's really well, good. Oh, it. Yeah. It's the most terrifying film I think I've ever seen. Oh gosh! Yeah, it's, it's not a really... horror film, though. No, no, don't, no yeah, they, it's yeah. tremendous. It's really, really good. I mean, I don't think too much hype will, will you know, ruin it at all. No, 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 no definitely no. watch it though. I mean, it's the best film you've got in shrink wrap in your house. Okay. <laughs> Almost <laughs> certainly. I've got, I've got uh, the Great Dictators still in shrink wrap as well, oh. so they're up both that's both really both good. Both yeah. good. <laughs> you can have quite a double bill of. Uh, yeah, you should watch that as well. I've got like a, I've got like a the Che the like. Uh, that's to then shrink wrap as well, and the, yeah, um, the Carlos Jackal. Like, there's like a free DVD like yeah. criteria that's to then shrink wrap. So mm-hmm. just quickly, like, just really to reiterate, uh, Sam's got two young children. So yeah, <laughs> I just buy. You know, I'm one of those like men that just buys things and leaves them in shrink wrap. Well, I'm sure you're buying these stack of DVDs with the best intention, yeah. and you get home like, of course I can't watch four films. I'll just watch, uh, you know, like Batman again or whatever instead. Pepper Pig. Pepper Pig. If you're, going, if you're going to buy anything, yeah, a little link already, let me just chuck the advert in. Um, if you're going to buy any of these records, please go to uh, southlandhardcore.com and click the Amazon link if you're going to buy them from Amazon, and then we'll get a little bit of money. When I say a little bit, I do mean like, what if we made about 40 quid over eight months? Yeah. Yeah. Those SLHC, if I, if I can plug as well, those SL. So SLHC t-shirts, those oh, yeah. are the great band t-shirts that were for a band that doesn't exist. Mm. The black cross yeah. with the letters on. Yeah, that's, that's good. I want one actually. Yeah, I want well, one as well. You can get those from uh, southlandhardcore.com. Unfortunately, 
we haven't printed them up. They print them as you buy them, and the margin is is like yeah. tiny. So like, if I could give out free ones to yeah, guests, yeah, yeah, I'd yeah. love to. But they are very good quality, I hear. They are really okay. good quality. Have you got one? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I just mean <laughs> the, the, the issue is those printed shirts sometimes like can be a little. Yeah. Nah, they're really good. But if they are, good, yeah, then, you... then I will purchase because I think they look lovely. To be fair, in terms of, I'll one, give you the, the two fifty we make on it back. <laughs> I'll be fine. On the subject of nepotism, I built the Fortet website, if anyone wants to check that one out. I also built the, uh, I think, the Arden website, if it's still up. If you go back to Wayback Machine, I built the first couple of hot chip websites as well. So if you want to have a look at, you know, like, how Any that, bands nepo- out how there that, that nepotism works <laughs> within, yeah, within yeah. a school. And you never got school friends. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, you know, they're very generous, okay. although... Perhaps could be more generous. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, you just said you get every Forte album before it goes out on general release. Yeah. That's not a bad deal. Yeah, but it's only an MP3, no. isn't it, Steve? It's, it's, not, it's not costing him anything. No, but he's getting like an album a week at this rate, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine that, like, the, the pressure that comes with not accidentally leaving that on like an open Wi-Fi network or something? <laughs> <laughs> I will not just kill you, but you know, <laughs> there goes 20 years of friendship. Like, our kids will never talk to each other again. Etc. Et <laughs> like, it's, um, it's heavy. Oh, that was a lovely track. It's one. Because is it a new? Do they play an oud? I don't think so. No. Sound like a. This like is like why you get a musicologist and a musician on because you can ask the question: Does he play an oud? And you just answer it as if it's a thing. An oud. An oud. Yeah. Don't say it like everyone knows. What's an oud? An oud is a Middle Eastern lute. It's oh, now you say one it. of the most played instruments um, in the world. <laughs> also, the subject of uh, an apprentice, any, uh, a funny apprentice task a few months ago. Because they were in uh, Dubai and they had to find an oud and they thought it was a perfume because oud in a slightly different spelling also worked for perfume in that country and they spent the whole day looking for an oud and they, and they were asking for perfume but actually it's a lute. So it's, um, it's uh, I, I'm going to forget, I forgot the name of the instrument. So it's a big board zither, of strings where you push down on things to make chords. So it's not yeah. a zither but it's, but it's, a, it's tuned, like a pre-tuned and you, yeah. you, you kind of pick the chords on there. Like an auto harp. Oh, that's exactly yeah. what it is. So it's, he, it's, um, I thought it was a zither initially, but then it had its kind of a dry tone, and zithers are usually quite uh, have a lot of um, reverb and resonance. Yeah. So I don't know whether it was a post. Yeah, it might be in the, in the recording. Yeah, yeah. not the best. Uh, um, but yeah, so he he, yeah, he so plays he, one of those. Right. Just, you know, and if you see him live, it's kind of interesting. He holds it like a violin and sort of plays it and sings at the same time. Basquiat strings is a string ensemble. Would that be the correct? Terminology. Uh, Group featuring... is another word you could use. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, featuring uh, among his uh, members Emma Smith, who went to Elliot School. We've chosen the track Double Dare to talk about. Yeah, off the Mercury uh, nominated album, was it called With Severus? Yeah, it's Basket Strings with Severus, yeah. He's the guy with the hair. Recognize. Anyone who's ever watched the Mercury Awards like every other year, he's a guy with just there. so much yeah. hair. Yeah, because Polar Bear got He's great, he's great sure. Um But basket strings leave me very cold. I have an issue with crossovery things. Things that are trying to transplant classical idioms or other, the other way, other idioms into classical. I just don't think it works. Made for Mercury, right? Made for Mercury, yeah. Yeah, it does get It's just, feel, again, it? it's, it's kind of dead, this stuff. It's got these really thin kind of quasi-Bartokian strings. The only thing that, that feels vibrant in that track is his drumming. That's because he's making it up and he's a good musician. The rest of them are playing these really, really um, chopped, clipped kind of lines. like It's just, it's not alive. Like. 
The Mercury Music there. became a sort of byword for albums that people would buy to yeah. leave out. It's a box parties, sticker. It's a box sticker. Yeah, it's got to be three on the shortlist, haven't there? Yeah, yeah. Not. It's, it's a shame so because... And there is an obligatory jazz one as well, isn't there? There's always something that has to yeah, be... Yeah, yeah. It's a shame, though, because I think... I often worry that people hear something like this and go, oh, well, it has elements of this, and maybe I will like jazz, or maybe I will like classical music, and then they go, oh, no, I don't even like that, I'm not going to like the other stuff. And it doesn't have the best bits for me, the one that has the kind of worst bits. <laughs> That's the problem with crossover. You know? I think... Pragmatically speaking, I totally am behind the idea of crossover. I think everyone should listen to everything. Um, but no. blend it in a more Something happens way. when musics go together that don't quite fit or are put together in a kind of calculating way. Something happens, something goes from them. I don't know, maybe I'm making a mountain over my hill. Clinical music and, and warm music, you know. Yeah. You can, if you're doing something in a you know, going in something with the idea rather than letting something emerge organically. You're going in and going, we're going to blend this and this. Yeah. You're not, you can only Although, help but just form That's a dangerous a kind of opposition, though, because there's plenty of compositions that have been clinically pre-planned and work out great. I think it's just a difference between something that works and something that doesn't work. And I just don't think this quite works. I've been, I listened to it, uh, the album twice in the lead-up to this. I've never... I mean, I, was all, I remember it being nominated. But I did enjoy it, yeah. I, mean, I don't know if I'll be listening to it, like, for the rest of my life, but... Hmm. It's quite. It's yeah. not bad. I mean, it's some it's of the really some of the like in a, si- in a silent <laughs> way, the, the in a silent way that, the version of that, the Miles Davis tune, that's quite good. This one of the tracks in the album. It's quite good. It's better than this one anyway. But it, there was no copy on YouTube, so I kind of said this one. It's <laughs> <laughs> a bit of It's a bit rambling, actually. What do you think of it? Can you yeah, say? Yeah. I mean, I like in a silent way. Yeah. They do an okay Correct. version of that. They do a good version. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they do. Um, it's not. Okay it's it's not as adventurous. Obviously, it's not. As, yeah, but it's yeah. fine. If they do like a three-hour version of it, preferably just wandering around, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, like yeah. With a really nice line in it, then that would be yeah. uh, that would be fine as far as I'm concerned. They do. I have a whole playlist on my. Maybe I, I have a whole playlist on my iTunes, which is just a filter set up for such songs that are like seven, like sixty minutes or longer. So there's just a playlist. <laughs> you don't end up with like audio books. Individual on there. <laughs> so it doesn't, it doesn't catch for some. It's, it's not catch all. Oh, Under milk orders come on. They're looking for like the really long stuff. But she's she does her own stuff as well, yeah. Does she? I don't know. Yeah, so Emma plays on lots of stuff. I mean, she's she's like a virtuoso violinist and can play other things too. Um, so she actually played on like a fragile album or two whenever we needed strings. Oh. It's actually. Um, she plays a really good sax solo on the on her track as well, so she sort of pops up in slightly unexpected places. She played in Ardem's band for a, for a while too, playing various things. Was she there when you went there? Yeah, so she's a year a year younger or something, I think. Um, was, she, was she in the music class? Uh, was there anyone? In the she music might, she would have done lessons. <laughs> 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 she probably started in primary school. She was school, probably almost certainly in the swing band. She was like a violinist yeah, from she was four, four years old. You know, like grade eight by the time yeah, she got yeah, to yeah. secondary school, sort of thing. But she, I think she played like saxophone in mm. swing band or something. Okay. And, um, we talked earlier, Steve, about playlist composition. It does seem a bit odd to end with a punk rock single, doesn't it? Well, the first punk rock. Yeah, that's quite something, yeah, isn't it? it is, yeah. yeah, first British. One. Point was it Johnny Funders? What would be the first? Well, the Ramones had already had stuff out, oh, right, okay. and arguably, you know, what's the first, what first recognized American punk single? Yeah, I don't know. It's hard, isn't it? Because have you ever yeah. seen that Jeffrey Lewis uh, thing about the history of punk rock? Where he just sort of talks about 
the sort of you, you can trace it back to like psychedelic bands in New York in the sixties. Oh yeah, Thirteenth Floor Elevators, all those yeah, garage yeah. bands. Like the idea, of the punk was a year zero. As yeah, with all exactly, the year zero yeah, yeah. Um, philosophies, like it's it's rubbish. It's serving a purpose for the it people. It comes straight from a line that you can pick out, as as all other music's do. Nineteen seventy six, The Damned, New Rose, featuring Rat Scabies on drums. What a name! Born Christopher Miller in oh. Kingston upon Thames, <laughs> attends Elliot School. Um, it's the eighty five bus. <laughs> <laughs> Another member of the band, Captain Sensible, uh, from Croydon. So a couple of Croydon South Nassau. London links. Solidly uh, South London, yeah. Um, it's a great song, isn't it? Yeah. It's yeah, it's good, but I think I just I've I'm just under, underwhelmed by punk, really? you know, because people talk about it like it was the biggest thing that happened in their lives. These music journalists, but it's just like it's like yeah, they we tore everything up that came before them, you know, in terms of music. But I just feel like even, yeah, even the fact that that's not true. But like you take something like I'm a massive Led Zeppelin fan, but like you t- to what people were doing with like electric guitars and stuff, mm. like a decade earlier. Or, you know, that's not a decade, Led Zeppelin. But you know what I mean? Or, you know, stuff that was happening concurrently. It reminds me a bit of, like, say, like, with, like, say, Fridge and Be Here Now, say. Or 10 years later when you got, mm. like, you know, uh, the Maccabees, we were saying. I know the Maccabees are not the best example, no, you no. know, comparing them to the Sex Pistols. is probably unfair. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's stuff that, it's not, I didn't, I, you know, there's some great punk stuff, obviously. But I just feel like it was, you know, people talk about it as if it was moving things forward. I don't really... Well, like it was obviously well, it, there's a wide range and there's stuff like if you yeah. pick out say wire for example yeah like, I mean I love now wave and that's that's a part of punk yeah that, that is doing, exactly there's, there's different parts of it but say like part. never mind the bollocks right yeah. the kind of quintessential I don't like that I find that to be sort of not particularly listenable nowadays but it was I don't know I think you have to place yourself into the mindset of people who are hearing that and the fact that you had this guy up there screaming shouting yeah, I mean, I can Tearing appreciate that. Words but and grammar. No, I can appreciate know. that. That the kind of and, and the God kind of culture and all that stuff was yeah. building into that. Energy but as that. someone who's come along and that's always been sort of twenty years in the past. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. it's not something I could. I, you can't. I find you can't put never mind the bollocks on like you could put physical graffiti on. I think you can. I think it's great. I mean, that's well, you're the musicologist, David. <laughs> <laughs> it no, it doesn't. <laughs> no, but I think punk's interesting. Just you know, talking about cultural theories earlier. It lends itself to so mm. much um, philosophizing on top of it. And you build it into this 20th century history of Dadaism and uh, cabaret clubs and all this kind of underground um, culture. And have you ever read Lipstick Traces, Graham Marcus? Yeah. Great book. Yeah. And it's all about the links between punk and earlier kind of brutalist avant-garde movements that are dealing with these heady ideas, but in a very simple and um, kind of brutal way. And if you read something like that, you kind of go... I love Grill Marcus. If 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 you don't like Never Mind the Bollocks, if it the only thing it did was uh, inspire this book, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate that it inspired people, and it obviously like it's not complete a waste of time. Mm. But I just find like you know, it's not something you, I think I, I can't go back to it. I find it, I don't find yeah. I'm not impressed by it. See, I, I really enjoyed this particular song. This like, is a good track, just yeah, as a, just as a pop song. I think it's a really yeah. good pop song from the that uh, funny little line at the start. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sort of referencing sort of fifties rock and roll through to the. To me, I hear Gene Vincent like fifties rock and roll. Yeah, yeah, it's that's just Gene Vincent. It's really rough three chords. I and saw them a few years ago. Oh yeah, um, they were a mess, absolute mess. But uh, it was great. They were. Really... He's not in the band anymore. Is he Rats Gabies? But no, Captain it, Sensible. Captain very Sensible much so. was there. 
and uh, it was a parody of itself. As as you know, as I when I saw the Sex Pistols, Rat Rat Scabies yeah. ended up in a band with my uncle and yeah. Natalie's uncle as well for a, really? a year or two. The Germans, wasn't, they weren't very good. Thanks for listening. Um, all the tracks are on southlondonhardcore.com, so go there to have a listen. I imagine you've probably paused and played all the way through, haven't you? We're at SLH on Twitter. Steve is at Vents Wales. At Work Less Hard. Robots Dancing Alone. Uh, mine is at Jack McEnroy and at Yids. Can I just ask before we go, what primary school did you go to? I went to a primary school called Highview Primary School. And did anyone else go there? <laughs> no. So my friend Rosa went there, and I went to then went to Elliot with Rosa, and I still see Rosa today. So I still have a, a friend from primary school. What does school. she play? She never played anything. Well, there you go. Yeah. Socialist, socialist though, lefty parents, etc., etc. <laughs> That's the key, I think. Yeah.